0: Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio.
3: happy friday it's the june the 9th if you're listening to us live or maybe you're catching the replay i'm your host of the up your brave show natalie cutler welsh we're here it's all about confidence community and connection and if we haven't met before i am a go-getter i'm a people person i am a speaker and author a human design and business coach also a truth seeker wellness warrior and mother of three and today we're going to be talking, as we always do, about inspiration, education, motivation on this show, but specifically about holistic health. This is our second show focused solely on health. We did Empowered Wellness a number of weeks back. You can go and check out that um, episode, either the full show, or you can go to the the page, um, the replays page, and you can find interview by interview. We had a couple of interviews about Empowered Wellness. Check them out. And today I've got three amazing guests lined up for you in this order. I will be talking to Dina Siniza about breathing better for optimal health. I'll be chatting with Shelly Goweth. She's based in Wellington on the truth about toxins and proactive health. And then finally, Rachel Shields on the power of holistic and integrated health. Rachel's from the PHA, which is the People's Health Alliance. So we're going to be diving into that. It's going to be amazing. But before we do, as always, I love to go to the inbox and see what messages we've had coming in from our listeners in the past week or so. Thank you to Christine who writes in, hi, Natalie, I'm listening to your guests on Friday, the 2nd of June, Sally, Mabel, and the next two, Kim and David. Um, I've been dipping in and out and wanting to convey to you my deepest thanks for attracting such helpful guests. Who's who so generously share their accumulated knowledge and experience with us. They have truly been helpful to me. Thank you so much for your excellent interviewing skills. Warmest regards, Christine. Thank you so much, Christine. You know what I love to do when people write in? I love to do a shout out to wherever you're from. So if you can mention your, your town or your city where you are, that is awesome. Um, thank you, Christine. Yeah, I do have such great guests. Most of them are people I already know, Um, like my guests today, but sometimes I have listeners recommend people to me or connect them with me. So by all means, if you guys are listening to this and you've got people in mind that you think would be amazing for me to chat to, they don't have to be famous or an expert, they can be. But I also love to hear the stories of people living their lives and sharing their wisdom as well. We've got another one here. This one is from um, Vaughn who writes in, I am a psychologist with a master's in counseling um, who wrote a number of articles from 2011 to 2015 uh, for the magazine Psychotherapy in Australia. Since 2019, I've been somewhat alarmed at the psychology profession's collusion with what I regard as an all-out assault on medical integrity, rationality, patient-client protections, and government intrusion in this domain. I hear you. Uh, And the the, the frightening compliance of most of the profession. The articles and my thinking will throw some light on why the psychology profession has been so compliant and unable to self-reflect on what I consider to be a significant sellout of the underlying ethical principles that are supposed to guide the psychology profession. Well, thank you so much for writing in. Um, it is a concern, not only in psychology, but in other areas of medicine and health, And today in my second interview, specifically with Shelly, she's actually recently been over to America and they had quite a transparent um, conference where they were talking quite openly about a lot of things um, which, you know, relate to people being told um, fully disclosed of risks and what is actually going on in terms of health and wellness. So we're going to dive into that a little later in the show. So, I'm excited to hear from you guys. Remember, you can write in to 057 is the text number, or if you prefer to email, inbox at realitycheck.radio. All right, we're going to take you to our very first interview. Here we go. This is Dina Suniza. Let's talk about breathing for better health. Here we go.
0: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
3: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler Welsh. And today we're talking about holistic health. And our next topic is all about breathing. We're talking breathing for better health with my friend Dina Siniza. Dina, welcome to the show. Hi, Nat. Thank you for having me. So, so good to have you here, Dina. Now, Dina is a Buteyko practitioner with a special area of interest in anxiety and trauma She's a mother of eight, so we're going to hear a little bit about that later. But for those of you that don't know Dina, Dina is a breathing coach and certified Buteyko practitioner. She is the founder of the Breathe Clinic in Auckland, New Zealand, and she sees both online and in person helping people to breathe better. She helps people with chronic hyperventilation, which usually manifests as asthma, hay fever, allergies, insomnia, snoring, sleep apnea, chronic fatigue, anxiety, and stress. She does this by taking her clients through the Buteyko method of breathing, retraining, and helps bring back their day-to-day breathing, but bring it back on track, allowing them to breathe easier, sleep deeper, be calmer, and have more energy. Her mission and passion is to help people breathe their way to better health and peak performance. Dina, I'm so excited to dive into this because I think so many people don't realize how much breathing relates to everything. But hey, yes. before we dive in, so <laughs> how have the last three years been for you? Oh, very fascinating, very interesting.
2: Um it's I had to pivot my my um, clinic services from purely in person to seeing people online as well. Um it was a it was a tricky transition, but in the end it worked because then now I'm able to see people um, outside of Auckland, even overseas. So it's sort of expanded my reach, um, which was quite interesting, really, really good. I've had people coming in from Georgia, um, Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. And yeah, and then um on and then for my husband, it was also very challenging. He he lost his job. Um, the company wasn't requiring um, any of the vaccinations, but his clients. So the position was visiting hospitals, uh, rest homes and, you know, other other health-related clients. And they were the ones requiring that anybody who went into their premises needed the vaccination. But my husband had decided um, due to his medical, uh, yeah, his due to certain medical conditions that he felt like he was, it was much better not to have it. And so, um, it was a very difficult time for us to really consider, you know, is it, is it, where to go? Do, does he take it? Does he not take it? And what are the consequences? And in the end, um, I supported him in his decision. And so he lost his job. He did full-time Uber, which just gave him two thirds of his actual income, um, previous income. So we, we had to fully um, rely. I mean, no, not fully, but that means the my clinic had to step up, mm. to cover for for that. So it was, it was a challenge, but very. Um, and an interesting time but we survived He's, he has a job now and um that's another story altogether really great people they um they reached out to me cuz i sort of ranted in one of the facebook groups saying um cuz he had uh he had offers you know job offers only to be to be declined at the last stage when they find out that um he has not received the vaccine and and so there were several of those and so I rented and this couple very kind couple reached out to me saying um we've we've read your post and uh we might be able to help so they own a company and they've offered my husband a position in the company and I think it's a win-win I think he's helping out they didn't have a sales they didn't have a sales department as such and and so my husband has come in to help them um, in their business. So uh, it's it's heartwarming how mm-hmm. people step up and, and and really want to help. And it's renewed my um, you know uh, my belief in humanity.
3: <laughs> we <laughs> so love we love a good news story. And yeah. definitely shout out to your husband and also any of our other fellow listeners. I know many people. Have navigated that well. The the weighted decision of deciding about what to do with their health in terms of the the jab, but also um, seeking other employment, only to be turned around at the last minute. You're not really a ranty type person, and and I do remember that post um, because sometimes in the last three years, it's it's kind of put us in a position to rise up or speak up louder than we normally would. And I love that those people swooped in and were able to help. People do love to help each other out. So that's a good story. Thank you for sharing that. No worries. Um, let's talk a little bit about the breathing. I just want to open things up with why is it so important to breathe correctly, and what does correct breathing look like? <laughs> well,
2: um, breathing is something that we do every day, all the time, and if we and a lot of people think that just because I I'm still breathing, I haven't stopped breathing, that I'm doing it correctly. Unfortunately, um, over time, whether it's because of stress or illnesses or um, toxins in our body, our our breathing adjusts. Our our brain makes our breathing adjust to the kind of work our body needs to do in terms of recovering and detoxifying and things like that. And if it's either intense or prolonged, what it, what. What it can do is make, it can peg our breathing habit to this this wrong kind of breathing. So we, in other words, we develop poor breathing habits along the way. And this is now our new normal. We're still breathing, but we're not breathing correctly. We've acquired habits. and And that can be over time, we can acquire multiple poor breathing habits. And the farther we are from the right way of breathing, the, the farther we are from health as well because there will be an effect on your metabolism and your um uh, blood chemistry and things like that and and there will be a lot of consequences in terms of your health over time it's something that's easy to miss because it doesn't it doesn't show immediately so if I acquire poor breathing habit now I won't get sick immediately it'll be over time five years 10 years by the time I'm feeling a symptom, then um, that means I've had it for a long time and it's gotten worse. Yeah. And I
3: imagine people often would attribute whatever the, the illness is to something totally different when actually, when you peel back the onion at the root of it is bad breathing. Yes, yes. And
2: well, I'd say bad breathing would be one of the, it could be the the initial cause. And then there would be other factors coming through Um, that will make it worse and worse. Now, sometimes, um, I mean, there are times for sure that it's not the initial cause. Maybe you have something else, a different chronic illness, but breathing will always be, what I'd say is breathing will always be a piece of the puzzle. So if your health were a puzzle, you need to complete the puzzle to get into good health. You might need different things. Like you might need um, a naturopath to help you with your supplements and nutrition and things like that you might need some osteopathic or chiropractic work to help your system your frame get better definitely I would say breathing would be another piece in that puzzle especially if you have chronic illness now the question is how big a puzzle is this because I mean a piece is this because this this puzzle that you're completing has pieces that are not, you know, how puzzles are usually the same-sized pieces. Yeah. But this puzzle of your health, they will have pieces that are differing in sizes because the more influence this particular area has on on the outcome, the bigger the piece. Sometimes the breathing piece is bigger because meaning that your condition is a lot of it is based on the breathing. Sometimes it's a small piece but still a piece, meaning if you don't address breathing, you will still have that small piece missing, and you will. Um, it will take longer for you to get uh, to better health if you have that miss, missing piece, however small.
3: Okay, so let's take a look at our breathing. Um, I imagine many listeners will be thinking, well, how do I know if my breathing is correct or not? I mean, the only types I know about is mouth breathing, and I've got two of those in my family and then <laughs> chest breathing, which is probably what I do. Can yeah. you explain or how do we know? Is there anything we can do sitting in our car or at home, whatever, wherever we're listening to understand if we're actually breathing correctly or not?
2: Um, a lot of times you you will be the last to know. Usually it's other people who will notice things. Um but also these are things are quite subtle. I'll I'll tell you, for example, in my case, I got into boteco because I was very sick and I I sought second opinion. I went to this GP, very lucky that this GP was onto it. He knew, you know, all about breathing and hyperventilation. He said I was sighing 15 times in the 15 minutes I was with him and I didn't know. I wasn't aware. So um, it could be that we're doing the wrong things, but we don't even know because it's become a habit. So one thing is, yes, mouth breathing. But a lot of people don't even realize their mouth breathing. They tell me, Dina, I'm not mouth breathing, but they take big breaths when they're talking. Or maybe they, um, when they start moving around or when they're concentrating, the mouth pops open. Or when they're asleep, the mouth pops open and they feel dryness in the throat when they wake up. They feel uh, dryness in the throat. They've got bad breath. Um, Those are indications that you've had your mouth open and, of course, um, dribble, then you'll know. Um, Upper chest breathing, yes, but again, you won't know unless somebody told you and not everyone realizes what it looks like. Um, Any interruptions, uh, large breaths, big breaths, um, that is poor breathing. Any interruptions in your, in, in a regular breathing pattern, meaning um, coughing, frequent coughing, mm. uh, frequent sighing. What about um, breath holding, holding your breath? Breath holding, yes, breath holding, um, uh, throat clearing, sniffing, if these are frequent, yawning. I was yawning so much um, <laughs> early in the morning when you're not supposed to be tired. I was yeah, bring the kids to school. And in the car, I would be yawning the whole way to school. Um, But yes, these are some things that can give you an indication that there is something going on in in your breathing, some dysfunction going on.
3: Okay, that is super helpful. And I imagine some people will be sitting there going, oh, goodness. Okay. (laughs) You know, yesterday, I was sitting in the car with somebody, uh, I won't say who, and I had brought them something to eat. And Uh they were eating. And so and, you know, this is a mouth breather. And when a mouth breather is eating, they obviously can't, you know, and it's so noisy. It's just the breathing yeah. that they are trying to do in between the eating. So that's definitely one. Mm. one and and one of the dangers there, which was happening to me, I I don't think
2: there's a, um, yeah, I'm sure I would be mouth breathing then, but not, not someone who mouth breathes a lot at rest. I was mouth breathing, but you know, what was happening to me was I choked a lot on my saliva or when eating, um, watermelon any juicy fruit okay because then your 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 you cannot your body is not able to time swallowing and breathing and you know these are two different tubes where the air comes in and where the food goes in and if you're not able to time those two swallowing and breathing it can lead to choking and so usually i mean there are hyperventilators who um experience a lot of choking.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that these are all good to know. So I'm going to call those signs of incorrect breathing. Mm -hmm. How can you describe to us? What does, I guess, correct or efficient breathing? Mm -hmm. What does that look like?
2: You don't see a thing. (laughs) So it's like, um, yeah, it's very chill, very relaxed, no movement. Hardly any movement, none on the shoulders, no movement on the upper chest, maybe
3: barely visible movement in the abdomen. I Because I thought correct breathing would be like your tummy going in and out quite obviously. So that's not right.
4: No,
2: not even. So when you're breathing correctly, which means when I say correctly, it's the right amount, the volume. So it's a very, it's a, it's a small volume and the rhythm. Would be uh, a good rhythm. How many breaths? How many breaths per? Um, sorry, breathing rate is what I meant. Breathing rate. How many breaths per minute? Um, so yes, it's very chill, very relaxed. You look at this person and you go, "Oh, she's just relaxed." You don't hear the person breathing. Sometimes you can sit beside someone and you could hear them breathing. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard. Um, it's really hard to visualized because it's not it's not interesting. you don't see anything. you're not supposed to not supposed to see any movement in the chest, no movement in the shoulders.
3: nothing And so very I'd, love, quiet. I'd love to invite our listeners to think about yourself. also think about your family members and Dina, I'd love you to share with me a little bit more detail around one of the, I guess possibly the one of the more obvious ones which is the mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. My understanding is it's not great for your teeth because they can end up being really crowded. It's not good for your mental health and stuff. Can you elaborate on why is mouth breathing? breathing, Well, not why is it bad? How does mouth breathing affect? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um,
2: a single mouth breath can already activate your sympathetic nervous system. This is the fight or flight. So as soon as, because the brain interprets that as we're in danger because the times, for a healthy breather the only time that maybe they'd open their mouth is if they're really in intense physical activity which is running away from danger they might need to open their mouth and then um and so the brain senses that and thinks you're in danger and then of course it activates your stress response so that's one thing now prolonged mouth breathing especially in children when your mouth is open then there's no um Usually the tongue is down as well when that's happening. And therefore the jaw, um, there's forces in our mouth, like in the tongue in a right place, pushing your jaw and your teeth outwards. And then your lips are the, the force from the outside pushing inwards. That keeps your teeth in place and your jaw nice and wide. When you're a mouth breather, especially as a child, and over many years, then that can affect your the growth of your jaw. It narrows your jaw. And that now crowds your teeth. And then you have um the teeth all over the place, um, requiring uh, requiring braces. So yeah, because of that mouth hanging open. So that's another thing. And then the other, and then the third one is. Your your oral microbiome, which is the bacteria, the, there's bacteria that's in our mouth, in our gut, you know, the healthy kind that we want. If you're breathing with your mouth open, you're introducing bacteria that's not supposed to be there and in huge amounts because breathing through the mouth, you're breathing more in terms of volume than if you're breathing through the nose. and And that already starts altering your oral microbiome, which then translates to also poor gut microbiome. And then there you've got your um, gut issues starting. Uh, and of course, that means it's gum disease. If poor poor oral microbiome would lead to gum disease, will lead to bad breath and dental caries, you know, um, and things like that. And then, um, and last, and, and the other thing too is, because you're breathing a lot through the mouth, you're breathing in more allergens, more bacteria, and more viruses. Now you're introducing that to your body, which normally your body can handle, right? Especially if your body, so the we talk about the terrain, if your body is healthy and, and working very well, it doesn't really matter if you're in, if you've if you're exposed to these things, your body can fight them and and can react to them in a proper manner and keep you healthy but depending on whether maybe your body's not in the best state plus add to that you breathe in a lot of these things through the mouth then your immune system will go "Ah, i can't handle that so then you succumb to illness more often when you're a mouth breather um you have allergies more often yeah then um so, like in my in my case, my allergies and my asthma, um, as soon as I've learned how to breathe better, I still I still have it, I'm sure. I mean, you know, you don't the doctors say that you don't get cured of it. So I don't claim to be cured of it, but um, it doesn't get triggered because now I'm breathing better and I'm not introducing all the allergens into my body by breathing well.
3: Well, that makes absolute sense the way that you explained it, particularly around the oral microbiome which I hadn't realized I knew that there was some relation to mental health and happiness but I understand because that's related to the gut mm-hmm. um question I thought that maybe people that breathe through their nose which I think you're meant to do mm-hmm. that helps because the hairs in the nose filter things and mm-hmm. therefore when you're breathing through your mouth you don't have that filter is that the case or no? Yes um
2: I you know, do you want to go into that filtration thing? That's so amazing. And it might be relevant these days when we're all about trying to avoid getting sick, you know, into well, breathing through the nose, you're going through several layers of filtration. So by the time the air gets to your lungs, it's practically sterile or, you know, to the point where my immune system can take care of it very well. So when you breathe in, First layer first um, first layer of filtration, uh, the nose hairs, the nose hairs traps the per- particulates. So allergens, dust, pollen, anything like that. So it gets trapped there. Funny thing is one of my friends just mentioned to me that it's a fad among men now to not only to cut the nose hairs that are sticking out, of course, yes, cut those. It doesn't look nice when it's sticking out, but I think there's this n- new fad now that they're they're shaving, or oh, what? They they're they're taking it off totally, and even the ones inside. Um, I don't know, metro is it the kind the of new way of?
3: <laughs> yeah, you can probably get a device to trim your nose hair. Yeah, right to, yeah,
2: and not only to trim it, they're trying to remove all of it, and so then you lose that you lose that filtration. Then next, you as as the air comes into your nasal passage, the walls are soft and moist, and so the air that can Can, you know, it will, some of the things that are in the air get stuck on that moist surface, and your white blood cells rush in, kill, and identify whatever bacteria or virus got through and got stuck. And the cool thing is, they identify it and then they send a message to your innate immune system saying, Watch out, we've killed X bacteria or Y bacteria, and some of them might be coming through, get ready. So now your immune system knows what it's up against and can plan ahead and can start doing that. And then next they've got nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a very good antibacterial and antiviral that you can only harness when you're nose breathing. Cool thing is, um, I forgot which hospital in the States, during COVID times, they did an experiment which i really have to find out what happened but they made the nurses inhale nitric oxide before and after their shift or something like like that to protect them you know in one part of the protection so it was an experiment they did the thing with nitric oxide is you only need very little amount so it's very hard to know how much you might be taking too much you, we don't know so anyway but just an aside um And so then, so they, it will kill some of the bacteria and viruses that are still in the air. Then you've got your adenoids. If you're lucky to still have them, that's part of your immune system. It will do its job. Further down the line, you'll still, if you still have your tonsils, they again, part of your immune system, then it'll do its job. And then further down the line, as it enters your windpipe, um, the windpipe has the same moist surface that's going all throughout that airway and, you know, sticking, killing and identifying. But in the airway, there's the added feature of small hairs called cilia that always move up. So anything that sticks to the surface will be moved up by that small hairs, the tiny hairs. And as it reaches your throat, you swallow it and whatever bacteria and virus is in there will be killed by the uh, stomach acids. So really um, cool way that your body tries to protect us. You know, our bodies try to protect us. And um, if we only use it correctly, then we can harness all of these um, mechanisms that it, um, that it has to help protect us. So by the
3: time the air gets down there, it's quite sterile. I agree. And I'm so pleased you mentioned that. I do believe that our, bodies are more powerful than we realize or give them credit for Mm -hmm. and a lot of people I believe have outsourced uh, their own sovereignty around their wellness in the last few years particularly and I'm excited to see people take empowered ownership of their health and wellness again Mm -hmm. so what I'm hearing from you is a little bit if you breathe correctly and specifically through your nose it's almost like a natural way to boost your immunity. Yes
2: definitely. Great, definitely um you can go years without picking up any flu cold or cough um it's free (laughs) yes yes definitely
3: yeah can you give us dina some some specific tips i don't know how much you can explain i know we're only on radio and we can't see you but Mm -hmm. can you give us a few tips on how our listeners can improve their breathing and then i'd love to dive into if they did come and see you What Mm -hmm. does that look like? Because I know you have some sort of a machine that you use as well. So what tips can you share with us that we can do at home for better breathing?
2: um, Chronic hyperventilation. I think I mentioned uh, slightly, I kind of referred to it slightly earlier, that it starts with stress. And when I say stress, it can be physical stress, accidents and things like that. It can be um, chemical stress, anything you put on your body um, or into your body. And that your body needs to detoxify from because stress is when your body's trying to to regain its balance and its health. Right. So physical, chemical stress and and of course, mental, emotional stress, which we that's the common stress that we know. Um, So stress is the cause or, or the trigger for chronic hyperventilation. Right. And then we do we are our, our breathing adjusts because of the stress. And then if the stress is prolonged or intense enough, it gets stuck there. Our breathing doesn't go down back to baseline to it where it was before naturally. So now that it's stuck, um, because of stress. now that it's now it's stuck because of stress. So I always recommend the very, very first thing that we need to do is to relearn how to relax, not even to breathe yet. We're not, we're starting from the very basic. We're not even thinking of our breathing yet. It's number one, you need to relax. You won't be able to breathe well if you're not relaxed. So first thing is make sure you schedule in your time, relaxation time. And this is relaxation that doesn't increase your heart rate. Some people say, I like relaxing with uh, walking, you know, by walking. Yes, that could, that's a good thing, but don't use that as this kind of relaxation because walking would increase your heart rate. Needs to be something that keeps your heart rate low, like listening to music, even five minutes a day. It's very important we give ourselves that self care time. 20 minutes is ideal. Five minutes is the minimum, but you need to schedule it every day because your system needs to relax. And once your system relaxes automatically, your breathing calms down as well. It may not come, come down to the point where it's healthy, maybe not yet, but at least it comes down you know much calmer than it was when you were moving around and running around uh, doing like things.
3: Okay, so what I'm I'm just making a note to myself and I'm highlighting it to our our lovely listeners is that they can put in their calendar um, RT, which is like relaxed time, scheduling Mm -hmm. five minutes a day um, to do that for yourself. And even that is a building block towards better. Yes. Yes. And, And then on days when you
2: have more time, increase it to 20 or an hour doing stuff that you enjoy. Make sure it's something you enjoy. Okay, um, and the number two is um, check in on your mouth. So I say check in. I am i don't want you to obsess because when you start obsessing about your breathing, you're going to sh- use your thinking brain. Our breathing is regulated by the automatic brain, okay? It's in the brainstem, um, and we should keep it there. But once we start obsessing about our breathing, then the the thinking brain takes over, yeah, Um, and we don't want that because the the thinking brain is not the boss of your breathing and it will cause more dysfunction if that happens. So just an awareness, check in whenever you're working on the computer or um, reading a book, watching TV, does anybody do that? (laughs) still maybe watching on your, you know, Netflix or uh, videos, check in on your mouth. Is it hanging open? And then if you notice it is, then just shut it, you know, close it and then continue with whatever it is you're doing. So just checking in every so often is my mouth. Because usually mouth breathing happens either when you're concentrating or when you're moving. So that's the other time when you need to check in. You start walking or you're doing house chores or, you know, Check with check your mouth, close whenever it's open. So, that's so what I'm giving is basic ones. So, this will not get you where you want to be if there's something wrong with your breathing, but this is basic things that you can start with. Um, And the third is avoid taking conscious big breaths because healthy breathing is not big breathing. The biggest um, misconception these days is that they have equated deep the word deep to big so they made them synonyms but they're not really synonyms because remember deep is talking about depth shallow and deep so shallow breathing is using your upper chest your upper chest is moving your shoulders are moving deep is down below so the movement that we see is in in the belly right um so that's the depth big is talking about size so big and small is talking about size so clearly these two words refer to different concepts so they're not synonyms and ideal breathing is actually deep yet small right but again don't make your body breathe deep and small because when you make your body do that you're using your thinking brain your your thinking brain is giving directions to your body what needs to happen is through relaxation your body finds its way naturally to doing that um yeah so and and if ever uh the the severity you know moderate to severe hyperventilation those those with moderate to severe hyperventilation might need help doing that but yeah so that's the next level and so don't worry about the times when you unconsciously take a big breath because you can't do anything about that yet. That comes much later on. But consciously, so when when is the conscious one? So say you're following uh, an exercise class and then the, the, and the trainer says, take two deep breaths and then everybody in class goes. And you're going to be countercultural. You're going to sit quietly or stand quietly where you are with your mouth closed, breathing in and out through your nose very calmly and gently, no sound. So that is what I mean by avoid taking conscious big breaths.
3: I love that. We actually have a um, a show on Reality Check Radio called Counterculture. How so do do that? That's funny. Um, it just glitched out for a second. Yes. So um, one of the things that I don't know if it was you that recommended it, because you and I have been friends for six or seven years now, is I'm going to call it the dinner table test, you guys. And this is something I haven't, I haven't done, done, but I but want I to want do to it at do. my dinner table after dinner, once we finish eating, is to get everyone to put a piece of tape over their mouth. And by that, I mean vertically, not like right across their mouth, but just vertically. So yeah. it keeps the lips together under their nose. Mm-hmm. And then just see who can sit there relaxed for you know a minute or more. And what that will do, I believe, is to reveal the mouth breathers at the table. (laughs) And, um, I keep saying how I've got two of them, um, but yeah, so I'm going to call it the dinner table test. Obviously after you finish eating, when you're sitting around chatting, it's like, let's just do this little test and see if, see who can sit here for a minute or more, um, and still breathing. So they're not holding their breath, but the mouth breathers probably will be because they're so not used to breathing through their nose. Mm. Um, yeah, or mouth taping or
2: or you could use um you know a small piece of cardboard or paper make them put them in their between their lips hold it so that yeah hold it there and of course if they open their mouth that falls down that could be like another that. thing too because you you'd like that they'll be able to do that for a long time and if they can't then um then that means they're mouth breathers one this is the good thing that you mentioned the tape and um, I just want to caution people <laughs> because there have been books and there have been videos on on um, mouth taping and a lot of posts on mouth taping as well. Um, I just want to caution people because mouth taping is a tool that should be used alongside breathing retraining. When we say breathing retraining, is training your breathing to become uh, to to get to the, the the relaxed, calm, and gentle state. So you're trying to get your minute volume, your breathing volume down and, and, and um, your breathing rate down as well. Now, if people don't do that and only mouth tape, because they, they read it in a book that it's good to mouth tape and at night, what's happening is they're still, my, they're still hyperventilating because they haven't fixed their breathing, right? So by taping their mouth, they're just rerouting their breathing from mouth to nose, but their breathing volume and breathing rate is still the same, very high. So that large volume of air going into your nose can dry up your mucosa, make your um capillaries and the nasal area quite brittle, and may cause um nosebleeds. Um, and then the irritation of large volumes of air coming in through that nasal passage um, over time may trigger may cause nasal polyps to come up because of the irritation and the um, long term for the yeah it may also result in 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 longer term if they continue doing that without fixing their breathing it may cause pulmonary hypertension so, just a caution, caution for those people. But I know what you're trying. What you were explaining earlier uh, was just a test, and that's fine. If you wanted to, if you did that, that's fine. But I'm just warning uh, those who have heard about mouth taping, and if they do it that way without
3: fixing their breathing, those are possible things that can happen. It's so great that you highlight the importance of pairing that with the retraining. And that's something I'd love you to touch on in a moment. I'm going to ask you what's coming up and how can people connect with you? So maybe in that section, you can just briefly let us know what would, what does retraining look like and how would that look like if we were to do it with you? But I'm going to go to the four questions I ask every guest. Okay. And uh, so the first one is, Dina, in what is one thing that you've done in the past year where you've done achieved or navigated through where you've truly upped your brave? And I'll just get you to turn off your video so that we make sure the internet quality stays with us. How have you upped your brave in the last year?
2: Um, up my brave. Well, um, I, ah, my, um, my Facebook page was, was, um, hacked. Somehow, I don't know how I had all the two-step things and all that. And so that discouraged me a little bit. And so I kind of slowed down um, in terms of doing things because I was also trying to figure out what to do next. You know, do I open a new page? Do I do this and do that? Um, And so then recently I was invited to give a talk in this um, teacher's conference in the West and yeah, because of the dragging my feet and you know feeling down and all that, it was a big deal for me to to accept that, to accept that invitation, and and to go in front of teachers and and talk to them about breathing, because teachers really the uh, are more prone to to poor breathing habits because they talk all the time. Right. So yes, that that was normally speaking it's not difficult for me i i would speak in front of people but i think in the state i was in there it's like what do i do next you know i it took a lot but i was happy that i did it it was um yeah you know whenever you feel you need to overcome that sluggishness and that um resistance to to doing things um yeah but Definitely. Definitely. I was happy. that. Especially
3: I was. though, for me, I'm just going to chime in, especially if it's something that you actually want to do, because as my audience may know, I'm not a believer in guilt or shame or shoulds. So as long as it's something you wanted to do, sometimes oh, yes. you're brave. So the second question sure. is bucket list. what is uh-huh. one thing on your bucket list, which is something you would love to do be or experience in your lifetime that the up your brave RCR community can possibly help you with?
2: Well, you know, I'd love to be able to work with um, uh, high-end athletes, elite athletes, the ones who who want to be able to, you know, reach the peak performance. Because that's one of the things that good breathing can, um, can do for people, is it's not only helping you with the negative things, like if you're sick and things like that, but they can help you improve your performance um your endurance and your 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 speed and, and things like that so i would love to be able to um help um a team you know Amazing. okay well that.
3: that's that's an invitation for anybody listening if you are an athlete or you know one i know you've worked with athletes before and it, mm-hmm. this is an area that you love doing so get in touch with dina speaking of which how can people connect with you and what have you got coming up
2: Um, I think the simplest way uh, without having to give too many links and all is um, to go via my website. It's www.thebreatheclinic.com. And uh, of course there's a contact me there. You can also find a download, a free ebook called um, the uh, three tips to breathing better. And then also the, the, the The invitation, the link to sign up for my next free webinar, which will be in June, I think, in the twenty fourth of June. It's breathe better, uh, breathe better for health and peak performance. So yeah, so if you go to the website, you'll see all those and um, and 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 sign up for whichever one you want or both.
3: I'd
4: Amazing. Love you, I'd okay, love
3: okay so we've got the free there. webinar, and then as you mentioned earlier on in the interview, that you work with people online and possibly in person in Auckland. Um, And they can find out more about that on the website as well. They can. So in
2: services, so there's different, if, if you're, if you've already noticed that, Oh, I think I'm a breathe I'm a chronic hyperventilator or that I do need help. Then um, the usual first step that I recommend is to book a breathing assessment and personalized workshop with me. It's a one hour it's a one-hour consultation where I do an, an assessment of your breathing. If you're in Auckland, we can do this capnography that you were mentioning earlier, um, Nat. It's a machine that will give you in real time your breathing pattern, your CO2 levels. Um, it's, a, it's, it's really cool to watch and see what your breathing is doing in real time. So you buy your biofeedback. Um, but you can also, for those online, um, we can do a clinical observation assessment and I can do that for you um so that's the usual first step but some people would say i'm not really sure if breathing can help me in my condition i'd like to know more if they hesitate to um to commit to a breathing assessment there is a an option for a breathe free breathing insight call which is a 15 15 minute call just to uh you know meet and greet get to know me get to know about them the um get to know about the method, and also for me to get to know your needs and what you'd like help in. So that's that's a good first step for those who are not 100% sure that it's something that can help them.
3: Thank you so much, Dina. Well, the Breathing Insight call sounds great, and I'm imagining that you provided a a lot of breathing insight for people today during our interview. I wanted to say a huge thank you to you for coming on the show. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Uh, My pleasure to be here. So, so good. Thank you so much to everyone listening and thank you so much to Dina Suniza on Breathing for Better Health. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Ned.
0: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
3: Thank you so much to Dina. Wow, who would have thought that there were so many signs of incorrect breathing? She literally listed off, listed off so many Big breaths, open mouth, upper chest, coughing, breath holding, sniffing, throat clearing, sighing. Oh my goodness. Um, So definitely a great opportunity for us to raise our awareness. Thank you, Dina, about how we breathe. Um, And Dina said that she's got a free webinar people can watch if you go to www.thebreatheclinic.com. And I'll spell breathe because it has an E in it. The Breathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, clinic.com you can get some tips there on the, um, the free webinar. And I believe she might also have an ebook there. Uh, Dina mentioned so many good things for us around you know, the signs of incorrect breathing. She talked about the oral microbiome, the physical, chemical, mental, and emotional stress that our bodies un- undergoes and how breathing can really make a huge difference. So we're excited for some people to implement some of those tips and strategies. And of course, you can get in touch with Dina Um, if you want some help with that, I know there's a number of people around the country that help with breathing. So I'm sure that there'll be somebody that we can connect you with that can help you to breathe better. And also something else, Dina talks about relearning how to relax.
0: You're listening to up your brave on RCR reality check radio.
3: Welcome back everybody to the up your brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler Welsh. And this week, we're diving into the topic of voicing your truth. My next guest is a longtime friend, someone who I truly admire. We have so much fun together. Like, if you think I'm energetic, wait till you meet this lady. (laughs) Her name (laughs) is Shelly Goweth. She's based in Wellington. And for those of you that don't know Shelly, Shelly's an international speaker, a functional nutritionist. She specializes in helping people to be the CEO of their own health with her message and her keynote, which is called The Future of Health Is You. And at a time when people are suffering from burnout, anxiety, obesity, chronic illness, etc., Shelly helps people to turn that around so they can have energy to burn and what she likes to call fearless energy. She actually works with busy corporates worldwide to reduce stress in their lives by combining medically sound practices with nutrition-based care, guided by what your body is telling you, Every part of you is unique, so why shouldn't your health care be? She is the trusted voice on what your body is already trying to tell you. Welcome to the show, Shelley. Thank you for having me, Nat. I'm very excited for today. I'm excited on so many levels. And here's why. Number one, I love sharing um, health, you know, insight around holistic health with my audience. Our topic this week is not specifically holistic health. We're actually going to do that next week. But because you have just been to America and you've learned some truths, and you've went to a, a monumental conference event. I really just want to dive in and share that with our audience. But before we do that, can you give us a little bit of info and insight? How have the last three years been for you?
5: Well, actually when i was reflecting on this that it's been different so running being in clinic for the last 8 years the last 3 years have been very different in terms of what i'm seeing online like on my online practice my virtual practice the people coming in the health conditions that we're seeing and the sheer magnitude of people reaching out for help so what i've seen myself personally going through i'm pregnant at the moment and so going through the health system working with midwives what was that Congratulations. Thank you. So we've got an overburdened health system. So we've got a system, for example, I'm based in Wellington. So our hospital here is lacking 500 nurses. We've got a vacancy of 500 people. So we've got a health system that's overburdened. When I ask clients to go and get lab tests themselves, like get them empowered and get them to go to pathology, we've got a system that's taking weeks to get those results to us. Sometimes they're turning away people because they're overburdened and overwhelmed. So even if you're reaching out to get help yourself without going through the medical system, we've got people, myself included, when I needed a GP appointment for a structural injury at the beginning of this year, waiting six to eight weeks to get an appointment with their local doctor. Um, And so we've got people reaching out for alternative healthcare and the sheer magnitude of inquiries that I get as the clinic every single week, the numbers have just gone up. So we've got that on one side where people are getting really empowered and wanting help, which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But also the conditions that I'm seeing in clinic are so different from when I first started. So eight years ago, when I first started out in practice, there was a lot of Questions or people wanting to see me with just wanting to change their diet, learn about what to eat, make some food changes. Now I've seen three years of clinic of basically doing hour after hour vaccine injury protocols, like looking at that, looking at the damage and the devastation when I run the complete blood count, a lab test, which is looking at your immune system I'm seeing huge changes like never before in blood results. So we're seeing major changes in terms of what's happening to people's immune systems, what's happening to their lymphatic system, cancer markers, some of them are higher. We're seeing I'm seeing a huge load in terms of heavy metals in the body when we test that with our hair tissue mineral analysis and when I use the detox treatments in clinic. Um, We're seeing people like never before, like I have never in my whole eight years, every single thyroid test that I've run this year. And so now we're almost in June. So that's five months of thyroid testing. And most people are getting that test. They're underactive. I have never seen some of these things to the magnitude that I'm seeing now. So anecdotally, we're seeing a whole bunch of symptoms, health conditions that I haven't seen when I first started out. And then equally, the research that we're seeing coming out of New Zealand for uh, children being born and like the latest research that they did on urine testing for New Zealand children, we've got the highest loads of chemicals showing up in children's urine. So we've got a country that's actually got a toxic load, a heavy toxic load and burden on our young people. So this is a generation that's growing up in inverted commas toxic. And so I think when I talk to my parents' generation and what I'm seeing in clinic is the speed that these things are happening. Like since COVID, since three years ago. I think the thing that shocked me the most is the speed in these changes. Like it used to take years for these chemicals to get into our systems, like our water system, food system, health system, our bodies. And it's just the sheer magnitude of speed. And even on a practical level now, I almost feel like as a practitioner now, I can't keep up, hence why I travel to the States, because I actually need to be informed by other people where this is their day job to keep up with the daily research of what is actually happening in the environment at the moment. And so I would say eight years ago when we were talking about an environmental crisis of toxins, absolutely not. But are we today? Absolutely. And it's something that New Zealanders don't want to hear, they don't want to listen to because we've grown up, our generation that has grown up with clean, green New Zealand with the fresh New Zealand air that we breathe in, but that's not the reality anymore.
3: Well, I mean that's that's a lot for a lot of people to take in. Number one I want to congratulate and thank you for being pretty much brave and honest to actually let people know and the peop, you know that masses of people are coming through your door jab injuries but also this higher toxic load which is reflected in not just your um you know you're looking at how they're showing up but you're looking at the lab results you're looking at the bloods. Number two I want to congratulate you for being proactive about your learning. I know you love learning, you always want to basically be on the forefront of what is up and coming because you talk a lot about the future of health. So taking the initiative and obviously the financial burden of flying to America. So I want to look at what you've learned, what you actually learned in America. But what I want to reiterate is that higher toxic load for this current generation and why is that concerning? Like, because some people listening will be like, "I don't even know what she means by toxic load. What is the pro- is that really so bad? How does that show up?" So, before we dive into America, what tell
5: us more about the toxic load? Why is that so bad for our kids? Well, a couple of things. I'll just tell you. When I was reflecting on the conference and I was talking to other practitioners, and why it hit me so hard, like when I was at this conference, it was the first time in my professional career where I was like. Gutted and devastated. And I said, when I, was, I even had to call my mom to reflect on the day, because it was just like we started at eight over there and finished at six. And it's hour after hour of cutting edge experts sharing their leading knowledge. And I was reflecting one night after a long day. And I said, Mom, this is the first generation, this generation being born today, my baby's generation, and you know, a couple of years old, where if you're doing nothing for your health, and I'll talk about what the practical things are, you are now going backwards. So there is no way that you're going to end up in good health now if your parents, my generation with young children, aren't doing something actively for this generation. So eating healthy of our parents' generation, which was kind of eating from your backyard, drinking your water, for a lot of them, that was enough. So there's a real mismatch between the grandparents and the great grandparents and the babies being born around what has happened over these last three to four decades and especially in the New Zealand environment around what's happening and when I say that just to give you some quality like examples is in the umbilical cord of most babies that are being born when it's tested in New Zealand this is New Zealand data this is an American with 350 different chemicals So that's at birth. Our grandparents' generation didn't experience that. They didn't know that. That wasn't. So we're already being born with a toxic load. Our thyroid, just to go back to the thyroid, why I'm seeing so much underactive thyroid, our thyroid acts as a sponge holding on to all chemicals. So practically, if you as a parent and you for your young children aren't doing something to either mitigate the load, and we'll talk about what that means, or actively detoxing your child's body. And there's simple things we can do that are really cheap at home and you're free to do them. If you're not doing them, your child's health is going backwards. And when I do lab tests for five and six year olds, seven and eight year olds, the parents are shocked that their children have so many vitamin deficiencies And such a toxic load already. And I'm like, well, I'm not because you didn't have the education. You didn't have the awareness. And none of this is judgment. The whole reason you've created this, Nat, is so that people get educated, get empowered and learn. Like for me, the biggest thing of what's made me up my brave and start talking about this, even though lots of people want to say to me, oh, it's lies. Like it's not true in New Zealand. Why would you talk about that? Why would you scare people? I'm like, it's not about scaring people. It's just getting empowered and proactive so we can make simple everyday choices to change the next generation's health. So when we talk about what are some of those toxins or what are some of those chemicals, a lot of New Zealanders don't realize or recognize or understand is per capita. So per person, I know we're a small country, but per person, we have got the highest level of glyphosate showing up in human bodies, blood work. So myself, for the past eight years, I've had purified water. I've had organic organic vegetables. I have gotten rid of all my makeup. I used to be a very uh, a number one advocate of MAC makeup, and in my banking days, loved it, loved all the chemicals, loved all the moisturizers I signed up for, it, all the perfumes, you name it. I've done none of that for eight years. So at the beginning of this year, when I ran my glyphosate load on my body, I was shocked, mortified, and horrified to find that it was still really, really high. So I am actively trying to limit my exposure, but even if at home you're drinking filtered water and you've got great um, filtration systems, if you go out to a cafe, if you go out to a restaurant, which I do, let's admit it, like I don't just live in this tiny little room and never leave my house. If you shower in a hotel, If you travel, you're getting exposed to glyphosate in in the water system. So because we're spraying so much in New Zealand, even if in your world and the world you control at home, you're not being exposed to it, it's likely we're being exposed to it every time we leave our homes. Now, that doesn't mean we stay at home. Obviously, I travel to the States multiple times a year. So I'm getting out there and getting exposed to it. So it's like, well, what are we going to do to mitigate it? What are the things we can afford to do? What are the things that we want to prioritize? And how do we want to look after our health, but our children's, the next generation's health? So sprays and chemicals on our food, in the food system, in our soil, in our water system, that's all some of the ways we're being exposed to it. Anything that I currently have been pregnant is anything that I put on my skin, anything that I inhale, anything that I breathe, it's being passed on to little baby right about now. Like they are absorbing everything. As a practitioner, when a client's pregnant, I'm super careful around what supplements we give them, what foods, like all of those things. So it makes sense that anything I'm absorbing, I'm giving to the baby right about now as well. So Basically, for most of us, we're being exposed to toxins every single day in some form or another.
3: Okay, so it's largely what goes, I would say, in and on your body. So food, water, sunscreens, makeup, etc., and so many chemicals. And I know with women, I mean, I don't do perfume; I do natural essential oils. We call that per perfume. I think a lot of people just don't think about what goes in and on their body. So looking at labels, looking at what ingredients are additives, but also the atmosphere, the actual
5: physical environment as well. Yep. And what Cellcore, the conference that I was at, was really talking about, and I had noticed this, and I'm pretty sure most people in New Zealand might have looked up at some stage. So what we're finding with the industrial world now I guess is a good way to put it or whatever way you want to put it is they're not hiding it it's actually visible what's happening most of us just go back to our childhoods and go oh that can't be happening that doesn't happen in New Zealand we wouldn't be doing that so so I said to a friend I was talking about the chemtrails or now they call it geoengineering so you will not find chemtrails on PubMed when you look up that term. It's all been deleted. But when you look up geoengineering, you'll find 850 different articles based on it, but it's the same thing. So chemtrails are when you look up into the sky and you'll see a line behind a plane. So you'll always see it. And my friend said to me when I was telling her this after the conference, she said, yeah, but planes make pollution. That's what they do. And I agree on a very basic level. That's what they do. So I said to her, Well, when you're at the airport, you know, when you're watching, waiting for somebody to leave at Wellington Airport, Auckland Airport, wherever you are, I said, Do you see these nice little white lines? Like they're obvious. Like it looks like thin streams of clouds following the plane. I said, So, you know, Auckland Airport or LA Airport, one that I'm very familiar with, I spend a lot of time in that airport. I never see these trails after in the airport when I'm sitting there looking out at it and all the planes taking off they're never there so I said if it's just pollution from the plane we would always see it why don't we always see it with every single airplane I'm not saying that the airplanes don't make their own pollution they definitely do but these chemtrails are ones when you look up in the sky and for a good five minutes or so you'll see the white line there and when I was a kid it used to kind of it was fun you'd sometimes see like marry me or something like that in the sky and it was really cute but now they're just staying there in New Zealand too, but they're staying there around the world. And as I was at this conference, it was really funny. I was out walking with another practitioner and we were talking about why, what is the impact of geoengineering or chemtrails. And we look up and sure enough, there's a plane going over Boise, Idaho, a few of them, and I took photos of it and posted it to my social media. But we saw the chemtrail lines in the evenings and that stayed there for five minutes in the sky. And so that is going through the... Jay Davidson, who was speaking about this at the conference, he actually saw it in Puerto Rico. And he So in 2016, he became really alerted to it and start, started tracking all the data and started testing his clients and seeing what was happening because he would see it all day, every day, happening in Puerto Rico, and he, Puerto Rico. And he was like, what is this? That's what drew his attention to it because that's where he was living with his family. Plus, he was seeing high levels of glyphosate in all his clients' blood work. So he was like, I'm in Puerto Rico now instead of America. What is happening? And what are those lines in the sky? And so we're having, so we can say a a, a normal comment from a New Zealander is that doesn't happen in New Zealand. It does because it's cheap. It's a quick way to spray all our products, it's a fast way because you're getting the mass of it coming from the sky. So that means if you're doing it from the sky, you're not just getting the farmland that they want. And I remember a few years ago, a client trying to lose weight and she couldn't lose weight. And I kept being like, what are the environmental toxins like? And I'd ask her all these questions. And finally, she said to me, Shelly, I live next door to a vineyard. Do you think it will be the sprays that they spray on the grapes every single day that are stuck in my fat cells and my body won't release it because it's so toxic to my body? And I was like, hello, wish you told me that six months ago, we would have made more progress. So sure enough, it was. So we had to work on a protocol to get it out of her body. And that was one very specific example. But the thing that's hard for humans as a whole to understand or grasp or take the responsibility of is this is happening high up in the sky. It's not just happening beside us with the vineyard or the golf course or whatever the chlorinated pool that we think of. It's happening to all of us. It's happening to my backyard. It's happening to your backyard, now because we can't control where those chemicals, they're not just landing on the farmland that they're meant to be landing on. They're landing all over. Like that's the whole point of it. It's a quick, efficient way. And I'm an ex-investment banker. So when people ask me why, I go, it goes back to money. Whether you're trying to make money or save money, that is capitalism. I'm not anti-capitalism. It's got a place in the world 100%. But capitalism goes, how do I make more and how do I do it as cheap as possible? Well, you do it as cheap as possible and make as much food as possible, whatever the agenda for that is, by spraying it. That is a cheap way to control the harmful bugs, to control many of the things that are hard in natural farming and regenerative farming. So then you have a problem of this getting into the soil. You have a problem of the next generation of plants taking on those toxins feeding it to your children, depleting your soil. Because on a local level, when I was working with regenerative farmers at the beginning of this year, local context is New Zealand soil is 100% depleted in zinc and magnesium two nutrients that we need for stress management in our bodies to sleep well for our immune function for our brain function that does a huge amount of good things in our bodies so we're set so now on one side we've got the chemicals coming in and we've got the nutrients being depleted from our soil and we wonder why our young generation is so depleted and so toxic at the same time.
3: Okay, again, so much to take in and so good because some of our listeners will be thinking, yes, chemtrails, hello, I've been talking about that for ages. Other people will be like, I have never even heard of that. But now that you mention it, I do remember seeing these white streaks. Okay, so my next question is what can we do about it? I love to give my audience practical, specific tips that they can do without having to book in with anyone. Um, and if they want to book in with someone, they can, but what can they specifically do around this detoxing piece? Because you mentioned about um, yeah detox treatments. So what, are, what are some things people can do? Um, one thing I do, by the way, is I take my fruit and I will put it in a bowl of water with a couple of drops of lemon essential oil, which is the rind, not actual oil from a lemon that you can squeeze. So it's not super acidic. And that actually strips off some of the pesticides and things like that. But I mean, if we think, even if we're growing our own veggies, what, based on what you're saying, like they're going to have
5: something sprayed on them, what can people do at home to detox themselves? So you're right, Nat, on a very basic level, it's soaking your fruit and vegetables. So that can be with the lemon, it can be with baking soda or, or, or apple cider apple cider vinegar. It's also looking at um, online every single year they release this and there's the Dirty Dozen. So those are the 12 vegetables that are being recognized worldwide as the most sprayed vegetables. So they say to avoid those or try and get those organic. So it doesn't mean you have to do everything. It's not about doing everything. It's just about doing one thing and just changing your world one way. So they've got the dirty dozen and then they've got the clean 15. So they'll tell you the top 12 that are going to be the most sprayed and they'll tell you the top 15 that are going to be more appropriate to eat without needing organic because we're all on different budgets. So definitely soaking them 100% key as well. Where you can, and with different vegetables, especially your leafy greens, something like celery that's above the ground and taking in all the chemicals, you ideally want to have that organic. So it doesn't have to be all organic, but it's that mindfulness of it and making those decisions. Then something simple for the whole family, like, and this is relatively cheap. You can pick it up from the supermarket. It's Epsom salts. So Epsom salts, and you can add baking soda. You can add all sorts of different formulas in terms of there's lots of um, detox bath formulas and you can add in your essential oils and stuff. But the main ingredient is Epsom salts helps to, and this is great for young children, I'll be doing this with my children, helps to start to detoxify your body and pull out some of those toxins. So in today's world, if you you want to be doing something daily in terms of a detox practice, just to acknowledge that we're more in a toxic world, so what is something daily we can do? Another one is if you go to a gym or you're a member of a pool, a sauna saunas are you're sweating them out it's sweat therapy and so if you don't want to do a sauna it's getting hot it's moving your lymphatic system so skipping jumping on the trampoline with your children once again it doesn't need to be more things like I'm not now trying to create more work for you as a mom get playful get as long as you don't have um pelvic floor issues Get on the trampoline and start bouncing with your children because that's moving your lymphatic system. And when I ask most people in my corporate talks, you know, do you know what your lymphatic system does and do you do something for it? They'll say, no, I have no idea what it is. Um, and so that's just moving. It's sweating, it's moving, it's getting like your breasts moving, your whole body jingling, basically. it's There's nothing fancy about it dancing dancing would work too dancing absolutely dancing brings joy because laughter and joy also helps the detoxification process in your body dry skin brushing and gua sha that become quite on trend with my younger generation it's big on tiktok um but that's getting your lymphatic system moving so i encourage clients you know once you bought a dry skin brush they can be 25 dollars You have a natural one, keep it in the bathroom and just before your shower in the morning or the evening, spend a couple of minutes doing that. Like that is going to help your body. Obviously, for the people that don't want to do it themselves at home, you can do lymphatic drainage massages. So you can go and pay somebody else to do it, which is also nice. Um, So just getting your body moving is really key. Using tennis balls and rolling them around your body or on your body. That gets your muscles and your lymphatic system moving. So anytime your lymphatic system's moving, then your are flushing out toxins, you need to be pooing every day because our poos are water, fiber, plus toxins. And a lot of people don't poo every day. So that's why I'm bringing it up because if you don't poo every day, you don't know that that's normal. So that's another way. Um, uh, water, water is key. So, and this is once again, a process. If you're not drinking enough and all my eight years of practice of working with clients, I've never, I've had one person drink the right amount of water for their bodies. So part one would be, well, drink water for starters to get your lymphatic system moving and your liver and your kidneys flushing things out. Then look at the filtration of your water. Like what are you being exposed to? What, what is, chlorine, fluoride, glyphosate, all the other toxins in that water. So you would then look at a filtration system. And if you don't want a filtration system because it's expensive or whatever, well, maybe take a supplement support or some sort of charcoal or some sort of binder, some sort of clay to pull it out daily. Like you might be a pill person where you're happy to just take, like I know Salcor is one of the best in the world at looking when I use different practitioner ranges of supplements. Their ones are very much around toxic load. So I get most of my clients just take one biotoxin binder pill a day to mitigate their exposure. So, and then, and we don't have to do everything at once. So it could be then looking for your children. You might choose not to, and that's up to you, but you might never introduce them to chemicals in terms of nail polishes or skin products and hair products. So you might face yeah. it in a different what was that? And deodorants. Deodorant's a key one. Yeah. And the deodorant would be a big one that I would encourage people to change to straight away because underneath your arms, there's a whole bunch of I don't know why I'm lifting it up. No one else can see, but Nat can see me doing a demo right about now. Um, there's a lot of lymphatic vessels, lymphatic muscles under our arms. And so if you're putting a toxic deodorant on, and like, this is no judgment. Like I grew up using mum deodorant and using Impulse. Like there was no tomorrow. I loved that spray stuff. I loved it. Like I was obsessed with it. So I'm not saying I was perfect growing up. I wasn't. But you block your lymphatic lymph nodes. They won't be able to drain properly. When you put the chemicals there, you're closing them down. So now you're keeping toxins in your body and they're going to go into your breast tissue. So you'll get a buildup of toxicity anywhere there's like, fat cells in our bodies, which our breasts are, just fat cells, basically, you're now going to hold toxins. So deodorant is a really, and that's a relatively, we're all going to buy deodorant, well, most of the listeners here. So why not change to one? And they're not necessarily that much more expensive, but pick a natural one. So now you're not holding the toxins in, but sweat, like I said, for getting your lymphatic system moving, sweat is a great way to flush out toxins in your body and it's free. I love it. You've given us a
3: very long list of practical things to do. I'm hoping that some of our listeners can tick a few things off, meaning they're already doing them. And I love how you said, it's just a matter of changing one thing, one thing at a time. So definitely look up the Dirty Dozen or the Clean 15, everybody. For me at the moment, I'm taking a clay supplement at night because I do just to detox. My son just joined a gym and he's loving the sauna. So that's really good to to hear it. So I feel like people can do things in their own way, but it is really just raising awareness and taking empowered action around what you're putting in and on your body. I have not had fluoride toothpaste for at least 10 years. I filter my water, you know, I'm quite conscious of that kind of thing. Um, so a-
5: Annette, yeah. on the website, on the website, I did a 24 hour like toxin, like it's just a PDF for people to download and get aware, get awareness with because when I started dating my husband eighteen months ago, he had no knowledge of like anything. Like it was really fun because suddenly I was in a, a world of being with somebody that like had no knowledge about toxic. He's in construction. So he was not interested. So I remember like ringing my best friend being like, how am I ever going to sit in this car? Because he's one of those people back then that had an air freshener in his car. And I was like half an hour being in that car, I get a headache. Yeah. Like, how do I tell this new guy that I'm trying to impress and be like, cool, calm and collected and not a Harry Hart out fitness nut. I can't imagine. I'm mean, cool um, a health nut like that he can't have that in his car, otherwise I won't be able to be there. But what it inspired me to do was all of a sudden I was exposed again to how many in 24 hours, even for a male, how many exposures to toxins that they have in their cars, their homes, their bathrooms, their kitchens, all of us, their lives. And so I just wrote a little 24 hour um and I just did it for all clients and I got all the cli- all my clients at the time and anyone else that downloaded of the website to do a stock take. And th- the thing about the stock take is going, okay, this is where I'm at today. Mm. What do I want to change? What is going to be cheap to change, instant to change, fast to change? So for Jeff, my partner or husband, it was getting rid of the air freshener, but he still wanted a nice smelling car. So lovely Nat here gifted me. I was very lucky with that. Um, what did you The, oh, the car so, diffuser. <laughs> yeah. The car diffuser. And so now he has a beautiful natural oil that he diffuses every day. And every time I get in his car, I'm like, mmm, this is so yummy. I picked the one that smells like Christmas. So we have Christmas in his car forever. Um, And it's so, but that was a simple change for him to make. And now that he's got the diffuser, it's no extra effort. And it's stuff like people, the amount of people that have, and so then in that 24 hours, we happen to be going away. And I saw all the plug-in air fresheners and the accommodation that we were staying in. And so it's like, well, do we just, it's simple things like buy a diffuser. I have diffusers, you have diffusers all through your house. So just all of those little things and then the toilet sprays that you see people having and using, the candles people are burning. And so within 24 hours, your washing powder, your dishwashing powder, there's a lot of different, the cool thing here is rather than looking at it in terms of oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. There's so many opportunities where we get to change. And do you know what? I remember my dad saying this. He's an accountant as well. When he was going through this with my mom and admittedly he the backlash for him was he couldn't be bothered and it felt like a lot of effort. But he, being an accountant, loved looking at the costs of things. Mm. And he was shocked at, once that implemented it, and he does a budget every single month and he'd look at it and, you know, so he's done this consistently. So his data is all consistent. Obviously, the month that he implemented it, he went all in. And so the costs were higher. But on after three or four months, he was like, Shelly, we're saving money. Like, it's actually cheaper to be healthy. Like, he's like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, all these things are so much cheaper. Like the washing powder is cheaper. Like in every area of their budget, and my dad goes to every area of their budget, they were saving money. Like he, and he was shocked because he thought that it would cost them more money. I'm really,
3: really happy to hear you say that. I remember doing a post on my Facebook page probably about a year ago about people being empowered with their own wellness and taking proactive action. And I had one person, she's actually a relative of mine she didn't private message me. She only commented on my post. She said, quote unquote, I think you need to check your privilege. So that's interesting. And of course I put the tone in there, but the point is a lot of people assume that when you say organic, oh, lucky for some, you know, they'll be like, "Mm." so I love that before you mentioned, like, you don't have to do everything organic within your budget, but if there's one or two key items that are more likely to be toxic, definitely organic on those ones. And also what you were just saying about your dad with his Um, spreadsheet of the budget saying you actually can save money. And I find the same thing. You can save money. So I love the idea of your um, PDF and encouraging people to, I would call it detox swap, meaning swapping some of their, you don't have to throw it in the rubbish, but once you're done with it, why don't you buy something that's a little bit more cleaner the next time around? Um, So, yeah, at the end, maybe we'll mention your website and people can, or maybe you can mention it now. People can, where can they get that PDF?
5: www.shelligawa.com and it's under the blogs section and it's really near the top it's the articles like toxic load or something like that and that like back to the price thing just for one second it's like anything like you can spend as much money on this as you want like you can go nuts for my people that want to spend lots of money on the greatest nicest and the most prettiest packaged natural products it's going to be more expensive, but on a very basic level, you can wash your clothes in straight baking soda. Like that is the most basic. Obviously, you can buy prettier ones that have the essential oils and all the other things added in all natural products. But, you know, when I compared baking soda to surf water wash or whatever that brand is called, I can't even think of what it's called anymore. Baking soda is cheaper. Like admittedly, I can jazz up the recipe as much as I like. And there's so many recipes these days on the website, and I've got plenty on mine, of how to DIY these things for yourself. And so anytime, I always say this to clients, it's always time or money, right? Anytime you've got time, and as you can get your whole family involved, it doesn't mean mom's doing this by herself. It's pretty easy for children to get some baking soda, some some sort of essential oil and one other ingredient start to make these and put them in the jars and recycle the jars and take responsibility for for it. It's pretty easy for children to also make their own bubble bath with Epsom salts and a natural essential oil opposed to going to Lush or some body shop where you're spending $20 for these products. So it is very much a choice. And also, like, you don't have to buy all these things brand new. You can get them from the secondhand stores, you know, when you're switching from plastic to glass containers. Well, go to the secondhand store. There's heaps there. Most organic stores now have recycled glasses that you can take with you. So there's lots of different free or very cheap ways of doing this.
3: Love it. Love it. Hey, I know we could talk probably for about two hours on detox and health. Um, I'm going to segue now. I'd love to just glean a little bit more insight from you around your trip to America, finger on the pulse. What what are, what are, were some of the takeaways, two or three things that really stood out to you that you want Kiwis to know about?
5: So like how much we're now spraying the environment was number one. Like I did find that extremely shocking and just how much the toxins are in our body. Like if we're not doing something for it now, we're moving towards disease and sickness. Basically, if you're complacent, that's where you're heading. Like there is no longer room and I'm so passionate about this now and got my my brave on it. There is no room now in your health journey to be doing nothing. Nothing means you're trending towards disease. And I remember when I was studying, our professor said, you're walking your clients down a corridor. They're coming in walking towards disease And you're trying to get them to walk, change the corridor towards health. And now more than ever, I feel like we need to have some urgency. New Zealanders will often have a she'll be right attitude. No, she won't be because this is happening in this country and it's happening to the next generation. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that next generation being punished for us not speaking up and doing something actively for them. So that would be one. The next one um, was... Oh, nanoparticles, like this just blew my mind. I didn't even know what they were. Like, I was like, I went up to the speaker afterwards and I was like, I sound so ignorant, but I'm A, grateful that you've even shared this with me. But B, like blown away because I've not seen a single research ad. I've not been exposed to any of this in New Zealand, whether it's because we're not being shown it, people in, in the natural health world aren't talking about it, we're having it, you can't look it up on Google, whatever. Um, So nanoparticles now are showing up in baby formula. So it's coming for our children. So basically, it's chemicals broken down that get into the baby's body. So we're trying to get it into the child's body from as young as possible. As adults, we're being exposed to it. In Starbucks, they're using nanotechnology and nanoparticles already. So it's another way of toxins getting into your body. The difference is I'm a human. That's, I mean, we're adults. So our bodies are much bigger. So our body's going to be more human than nanoparticles because we're bigger. With our little babies, and this is no judgment around breast milk and breastfeeding. Like that's not my agenda here. It's just awareness. And awareness is empowerment. And then you get to make a decision. So if our tiny little child is now being filled with more toxins and more nanoparticles, which is toxicity... Well, are they going to end up more machine-like than childlike if we're not doing anything to get it out of their bodies? So breasts, so um, milk powder is one of the ways it's coming in. Vaccines have also got nanoparticles now. A lot of processed food is trending towards nanoparticles as well. Why so, is it in there? Um, great question. So the uh, it's the well, A, toxicity, right? So your body's going to be more and more toxic, which means you're more prone towards disease. So you're going to need more medication. You're going to need more antibiotics. You're going to need more drugs growing up because now your body, you're trending towards toxicity. So your brain is so going to saying be... It's intentional. Very in- Of course it's intentional. So yes. So when I heard Some that- people that, like, listening would be thinking
3: like, oh, maybe that's from the manufacturing plant or maybe that's, they didn't realize- um, OK, you're saying so from this conference um, in America where people were voicing their truth, which is our topic today, um, one of the things, one of the many things you've realized is that's possibly adding these negative things on purpose to harm health.
5: So well, not me. possibly they are and it's already researched and evidence in our in our baby formulas worldwide so it's not just a problem in the states it's here in New Zealand we have let it in we have got no laws around it no regulations nothing to disclaim this so yes we're 100% allowing it and we it's it's at the destruction of our house our baby's health and then where we're going to go with nanoparticles Well, I saw nanoparticles in terms of what, and I'm just looking at the um, exact company, CRISPR, so C-R-I-S-P-R, they're already using nanoparticles in unborn children to change the DNA of the next generation. So parents can already start to say, I want my child to have blue eyes and we're going to put this chemical nanoparticle in this DNA to create that. So is that in New Zealand yet? No, but it's happening. And with the goal of now we're going to be able to create babies, not even inside a mother's body, but out in the environment. So what is that going to do? What does that look like to the DNA? What does that look like to the damage of the children? And and who is controlling this? Like if it's a machine creating it, it's a machine that's going to control it is basically the big idea behind this at the Cell Core conference. So when does the human lose control of their body? Because now there's so much machinery basically in their body so much technology in their body that it's being controlled by other things and i was shocked also with the conference to see in scotland they have already got cows so our dairy farms hooked up to wi-fi generators 24 hours a day you don't need the farmer anymore because they get plugged in to the internet to do all the farming the milking everything else and they're just machines it's just got wi-fi going straight into the cow for 24 hours, seven days a week.
3: Okay, so we're talking here about transhumanism, which by the way, in my upcoming interview, we, we dive into that a little bit more. We're talking a, a lot about um, voicing your truth today. We're touching on health. If you guys missed our episodes, we did actually two full weeks on the topic of keeping kids safe. And obviously this is a constant theme because your uh, interview today, Shelley, also talks a lot about how we can keep kids safe. So if you guys missed that, you can check it out on realitycheck.radio. You can look under replays. If you are if you have insight or if you have questions, we would love to hear from you. You can send a text to or if you're more of an email person, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, okay, Shelly, before we go to the four questions I ask everybody, is there anything else from the conference that you want to share with us?
5: think what my biggest takeaway was the speed at we're being exposed to this and how does a natural health practitioner even keep up with it to educate their clients but the greater New Zealand the greater audience around the world so as a proactive practitioner I'm struggling to keep up with the information so my heart breaks for every New Zealander where this is not their full-time job and how you're even keep and hats off to you for keeping up for being aware for being interested that educated and empowered listening to these things because there is just so much happening in every part of the supply chain of what is going into our bodies now. So that was the biggest takeaway, the speed of the changes that we're seeing. And even with those nanoparticles, what we'll see by the end of the year, what they're saying they'll be doing with those nanoparticles and how much they'll be controlling the body is huge. And I don't doubt for a second that that will come true. So half robots, half humans sounds crazy but that's where it's trending. So it was just a wake up call. And a really like, unless you're actively getting that out of your baby's body, where is it going? And we don't know because we've never seen this in terms of research in terms of this is the first generation that it's all being tested on. And where does it end?
3: Sounds very, it's very intense, but I think that's what this show is about really raising awareness, asking the questions, uncensored discussion. Um, you've truly upped your brave, but I'd love to ask you, what is one example of a time when you've upped your brave in the past year?
5: Uh, Just speaking this, five years ago, I would never have said this because the backlash, the people, I didn't want to be what I would have thought of as being doom and gloom, but it's not doom and gloom. That's what I've realized. It's creating education and awareness and empowerment and not being afraid for people to say, she is crazy. I'm fine because that's what they say about everyone. But when you bring awareness, people will look back. Like the people that thought I was crazy with the whole vaccines, when the vaccines were rolled out and I spoke my truth at that point, I had so many clients come back to me and say, hey, you know, you were onto something. When you're on national media talking about the risks of mask mouth. And what that was doing to the health. Well, we've seen it proven. So sometimes you have to speak your truth in the moment where we haven't seen the evidence looking backwards, but bringing awareness, getting people thinking, questioning, even if you don't believe it, you're talking about it, you're asking questions. So that in itself is bringing awareness. And that to me is worthy of upping my brave and getting the backlash and getting the whatever people want to say about me. I'm like, that's fine. That's your journey. I'm here to help those people that want to listen and want to know more and want to do better for their children and the next generation.
3: And you are. And I'm sure that even hearing you speak your truth today will probably inspire others to do the same in their own way. So thank you for that. Bucket list. What is one thing on your bucket list, something that you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with?
5: Well, This was like, I was like, oh, what can, I think it's, yes getting these, my biggest thing now is getting these conversations happening and these people talking about it. So, if you're inspired from today to just ask a friend, Do you know about nanoparticles? Like, that's literally what I did straight after the conference or during the conference. I just started asking people every group that I'm in now, every event I'm at, I'm like, Do you know about chemtrails? So, just starting to ask it and starting to spark those conversations. Like, let's start, because the more you ask, the more curious you are, the more other people, and then we get research and then we get data. And and then we get more knowledge. So, and at the end of the day, if New Zealand says that it's, they don't want it and there's no demand for it, well, it will go. So we get to be the root cause of change. Okay. So what's something on your bucket list? Okay. What's on my bucket list? <laughs> uh Well, uh, my bucket list would be that we change it so that every single baby is born with zero chemicals in their umbilical cord. That would be the New Zealand that I would like to see in the future for our, gen- our the coming generations.
3: Awesome. Very inspirational and aspirational as well. Um, so Shelly, I know you mentioned your website before, but how can people, what's coming up for you? What are you up to in the next few months and how can people connect with you? You mentioned TikTok. I think you're on Instagram as well.
5: Oh, I love Instagram. I love a good Instagram story. I love sparking conversation and controversy. Like that is my favorite thing to ask and stir, stir the pot on difficult ideas. So I'm on Instagram a lot. People always comment that there's a lot of stories that come out every single day. Um, So that is coming up. Um, Another thing What's your, are you Shelly Gowith? Shelly Gowith, Ethan. Yeah, on Instagram, super easy. There's always something happening there. Um, And then we're just about to launch for everyone. I've been doing it for uh, clients that I've had for a long time, a program that's called Seven Steps to Wellness. So I've taken everything that I've done in clinic for the last eight years. I've taken the research from the States around, this is a whole new topic, post-electric magnetic field therapy. So all around vibration and sound therapy, which was total woo-woo. And the ex accountant in me was like, I am not going there. I do not want to do this. I'm looking at bioresonance and DNA. So all major trends coming out of the States, because I always say to my American practitioners, I go over there, I steal their ideas, and I'd be the first to bring them back into New Zealand, which has been the trend that I've had yeah, for I these can. past few years. And I'm super grateful for how we've been able to use it. So that's all online now. There's no more physical in clinic. We're doing it all online so we can help more people. Basically, when I first started, and that would know this. I wanted to change healthcare in New Zealand And now I'm like, that's too small. Like we don't have time to just focus on New Zealand. We've got to get out to the world. We've got to work together and we've really got to change the awareness. And so things like pulse electric magnetic field therapy, it's based on your DNA. It's accessible for everyone. It's relatively cheap. And the health changes that clients are having and experiences that they're having, it's phenomenal. And so to my knowledge, no other practitioner in New Zealand is doing that yet. So that is where we're really focusing on for the next six to 12 months. And then the other thing that I brought into New Zealand three years ago, just before COVID was the AMD Ion foot cleansers. And now that used to be limited to Wellington, but now I've got clients all around New Zealand using it with their families, using it in their practices to detox through the feet all these chemicals, parasites, all these different things. So that is just like we, I own five of those machines and I never have a single one in clinic because as soon as they get returned, the next one goes off to somewhere else in New Zealand. So it's super exciting. What I thought in my traditional days coming from the accounting world of having to always be in person and everything had to be in a clinic, my mindset has really changed and expanded through these practitioners in the States Always challenging me and pushing me. And so I'm looking at, well, how do we do health differently? How do we help more people? How do we have more impact in New Zealand and around the world?
3: I'm all about all of those things, amplifying your impact. You've done an incredible job. I know when I met you, your clinic in Wellington was booked out all the time. People had this massive wait list. And now you can help more people. We are going to be diving into the topic of holistic health next week, everybody. So definitely listen in. I'll be talking to Rachel from the People's Health Alliance um Shelly can't
5: just say your website again and can you spell your name for everybody yep it's tricky I'm at www.shellygawith Shelly with an e or no e. Oh okay so Shelly with an e so s-h-e-l-l-e-y and then Gawith is g-a-w-i-t-h
3: love it. And you're also on TikTok for those that are on TikTok as well. Okay. So um, before we wrap it up, Shelly, this is your last chance. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience about health, wellness, voicing your truth, something you learned
5: in America? Don't get overwhelmed by this. Just do one thing. And one thing is going to transform your health and also As a mom, as a female, I always love working with women because when you make a change, you can't help but tell other people. That's what women do. So you change your community, you change your friendships, you change your children, you change generations. Like I work with grandmas that are changing their daughters' lives and their grandchildren's lives. So don't underestimate the power of one change and telling one person something that you're doing because that ripple impact is how we change the healthcare around the world.
3: I love it. I love it. And also how you've empowered your man, even the simple thing of changing the air freshener in his car, which a lot of people would never have thought about. But those of us that like things a bit more natural, we get in the car and straight away. We're like, I can't breathe. It's true. It's so good that he's open to it. All right, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Nat. Amazing. Thanks everyone for listening and be sure to follow Shelly on Instagram for all her interesting stories and her interviews and so much more. Thanks, Shelly. Thanks,
0: Seth. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
3: Well, it's always so much fun to talk to Shelly. Not only is she so animated, but she's so, so knowledgeable. You can follow her on Instagram. She's very busy over on Instagram. And of course, you can learn more ShellyGoweth.com. Shelly, when she does her keynotes and she talks to a lot of corporates, she shares her story um, about how she literally was so um, so sick, so run down with so much chronic illness in her 30s that her dad had to carry her up the stairs. For dinner to the kitchen. She couldn't even walk up the stairs. Um, And she shares that story and more tips. Um, We didn't cover it in the interview. We we got straight into the info, but she's been through that journey herself. And then of course, she's ended up training in that area and helping so many more people never get to that point. We never want to get to that point. In this interview, Shelly discussed the dirty dozen. She talked about the most sprayed vegetables as well as the clean 15. I like the phrase when she said, are you walking towards disease or health? I mean, it's it's a kind of a conf- confronting, but great question to ask ourselves these days. I'm making the, the best effort I can to be proactive, not only with my wellness, but with my kids as well. I think if we can keep them healthy and well, and of course, as we know, um, anxiety and stress can lower your immune system. So not only are we looking at the food and the fuel that's going in, and of course the exercise that's going out, but we're also looking at the state of mind, the happiness, um, and the, the positivity. So we want to include all of those things. It's not easy. Uh, but Shelly, by the way, she's known for her energy, her positivity and her presentation style, of course, is animated and entertaining, but she always leaves people feeling uplifted, which I love that. She always helps people feeling uplifted with a clear path on where to go next. And of course, I love her phrase. You are the CEO of your own health. Absolutely agree. Thank you so much, Shelly, for joining us today. Um, I also love how she talked about sweat therapy in the sauna and uh, pulse electric magnetic field therapy. So many different options for people. We're going to dive into a few other options in my upcoming interview with Rachel from the PHA. Uh, But if you guys are sitting here listening to my interviews, listening to my shows, loving the guests, you can, you're wanting more help. You're wanting more help to up your brave in your own life, whether that be wellness, business, relationships, whatever it might be. I've just created a page on my website. It's up slash recommended. So you can find some of my guests and a few other people on that page. Um, because there's so many incredible talented people here in New Zealand that can help us to empower us to up your brave. So I'm excited for us to to do that all together.
0: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR reality check radio
3: welcome back everybody you're listening to the up your brave show with natalie cutler welsh and this week we're talking about holistic health i'm so thrilled to introduce my next guest we have rachel shields she is from the pha and we're going to be diving into the topic of the power of holistic and integrated health welcome rachel hi natalie thanks for having me i'm so excited to interview you for those of you that haven't met rachel before i'm going to read her bio but i did interview her a couple of months back about the PHA it's on my Rumble channel which I don't really talk about a lot but that was a great interview it got tons of listens um and we're talking again about the PHA and I can't wait to hear how much it's grown since then yeah grown very <laughs> definitely grown for those of you that don't know Rachel Rachel is one of the coordinators for the PHA which is the People's Health Alliance New Zealand along with Alexia, which started in July last year, and it's growing each week. It is exponential. There are currently 23 hubs, holistic health hubs throughout New Zealand, um, and of course worldwide, which Rach can elaborate on. Rachel is also a photographer for over 20 years, now specializing in people and interiors. Her favorite jobs are documenting people's lives, telling their stories through photos, either magazines, social media, or families to share with family overseas. Rachel also creates large photographic artwork. I'm keen for you to tell us how large. Um, And to complete the balance, she's an NLP Master Practitioner, which is neuro-linguistic programming, empowering people through making changes to the neural pathways to help break through habits, barriers, and beliefs, enabling them to thrive in many areas of their life. I'm so excited to have you here, Rach. (laughs) Thanks, Matinee. Well, before we dive into the PHA, I would love to know, or for you to share, with our
4: listeners. How have the last three years been for you? Wow, okay, that's that's a big question and a really interesting one. Um, Lots of change, lots of change. Um, It's been, it's interesting. I'm actually quite grateful (laughs) for the way the three years have turned out. I've done a lot of delving, had my eyes um, opened wide and it was also a chance to listen to all the niggles within that I've grown up with, um, not sure about um, you know, the health system that we're in. And always kind of thinking, God, there's got to be a word better way, has to be a better way. Well, when the COVID hit, and yeah, it it just I did a lot of research, a lot of reading. I searched out specialists around the world. Um and so when the pha come along it just made sense that this is what we need we need um our communities to be you know making decisions for our own health and not to be told what is good for us and what isn't good for us and i yeah it changed me hugely i've really kind of come home to myself you know really figured out what it is that makes me thrive and empowers me um so i'm actually grateful for the last 3 years for
3: that it is so good to see um you know we talk about silver linings it is good to see when positive things come out of a challenging time mm. and you're such a you know you're such an advocate or a patriot for holistic health but you do it in such a non confrontational you're so approachable like your tone in the manner even the way that you speak and i think that's part of the reason why You're, I mean, you're so busy leading this group that just grows and grows, Um, but you're making a massive impact. And I wanted, I wanted to personally thank you for that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And I know you have, you look, I mean, you're a mother of, uh, you know, two, two or two, two kids. Um, So you're busy in that realm, but you've got so many people, hundreds, probably thousands of people that kind of look to you now um, in terms of the PHA. So let's go to the PHA. Can you give us a little bit of History because it's not just New Zealand, like it's all over the world and it's doing well. So, um, can you just let us know what is the PHA? How does it work?
4: Oh, PHA is amazing. So I'll just start with there's two of us that um, coordinate PHA New Zealand, and that's uh, myself and Alexia, um, and we're just really busy, which is a good sign that this is exactly what the people want, and um, and we're just helping them to achieve that in their own communities. Now the PHA is the People's Health Alliance um that started um about 15 months ago um they've just had an official birthday in May that started in England and I come across this and just thought oh my gosh we don't need to reinvent the wheel we just need to roll this out and it's set up by a wonderful woman Catherine McBean who she knew we were going to be in this situation she knew 20 years ago so she's had a lot of time to think about how do we slow this down how do we stop the intended changes to our society um yeah and so the people's health alliance is just perfect it's about um empowering communities to come together teaching them to come together and holding space for all of those health practitioners within your community either alternative or allopathic and bringing them together so that we kind of integrate Our health. So we don't just have one option of going to a GP and a GP looks at a computer and the computer tells the GP what medication to give for whatever symptoms. We want a holistic approach and we want want choices. We want to explore um, what the services those practitioners offer and figure out, you know, what works for us, because what works for you might not necessarily work for me. Like I respond really well to acupuncture. My daughter does not, <laughs> you know. Um, so the the People's Health Alliance was more about supporting. If we can bring the community together, and you know, provide a space for these practitioners to come together, so that it's you know the community has an input, they have a say, um, and that space could then be run uh, affordably with help from the community. Therefore, practitioners can lease space affordably. Therefore, we can pass on treatments and services to people at an affordable rate therefore people can maintain their health as they go not wait until it's a problem that's so bad that they need more um serious intervention so that's the whole point of it and that's going to expand it's not just going to be um the health you know it's already expanded into food and farming um they're looking at education they're looking at um care our you know for for our elderly elderly you know looking at um changing the way care homes are set up um there's there's so much more to it than that than just being a health hub
3: yeah because i feel like holistic health hubs are not the new concept but what is new is i think this integrated approach can you talk what do you mean by integrating holistic and allopathic medicine just can you break those terms down for our listeners
4: yeah, so you, we want we want doctors and nurses uh, well, I mean, there are doctors many doctors and nurses out there already that can see that there's more than one way to treat a person. And they know that there are other therapies out there, but they're in their work that they're in, the majority of them have to stick with so say if they're in a hospital, they stick with what they're told um, to work with, which is mainly your pharmaceutical industry, where if you've got, Doctors and nurses that understand how alternative therapists work, then that's integrated. You've got, you know, trained in a medical way, but then they're aware of uh what other treatments are out there that could help certain conditions. So that the go-to doesn't need to be um a drug. It could be um, you know, various modalities, a combination. It doesn't have to be one thing. They're aware that everybody responds. So your trained medical doctors and nurses would then understand how alternative therapists work and different therapies and, and encourage um, people to try them. So it's more of an understanding. It's more, not one way. It's, it's, it's all it's covering everything. Therefore we've got choices for everyone in the Mm. community because some people love their alternative therapists and will only go alternative therapists and other people have got one foot in both camps so if we bring it together and they work together and you understand each other more. And I love it. And also
3: some people will never have gone, you know, holistic, but because it's there's happening. there's allopathic doctors or nurses there at the some of the physical locations, which we'll talk about in a moment, they might go in and then they'll be like, okay, you know, I'll give whatever it might be reflexology a go, if you think that'll help. Um, so they'll maybe have their
4: eyes open to a few other modalities they never would have come across. Exactly, and that's what's wonderful. So, if you're if you doctors and nurses and GPs, um, if they understand all of those therapies and what's available to them, again, in your community, so start with you within your community. If they understand that, then they can say, okay, if someone's coming in with say um, gut issues and that's affecting their day to day well being, you know, you can take a step back and go, okay, what's affecting you? Do you need to see um, a nutritionist or a naturopath or maybe acupuncture or is it stress related? Give some you you know you're taking a step back and looking at all things that can affect that one person and figuring out which thing it is which is the biggest thing that's affecting that gut issues because it's not necessarily something in the gut mm-hmm. it could be the state of mind that it's affecting the gut just for an ex- you know for example um yeah so a whole body approach and trying to get to
3: the root of the problem which is not necessarily as it seems like for example you know, my skin is not amazing at the moment. Well, it's because I've been looking at my hormones and my thyroid, so it's detoxing. It's not that I need to get like better makeup or like a different like cleanser for my skin.
4: Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, And it's it's also educating people. We want these hubs to be, you know, informing people and educating them of all of these different modalities. And again, how the body works, because I think many people have got out of touch with, how the body works and the various things that can affect us day to day you know um so that's another reason why if the communities are by these hubs we can we can educate and inform and hold um discussions um and and even like we can bring in cooking you know good nourishing food start with the basics it's teaching people those things as well the basics as well as you know you the complementary therapies that they're never going to hear of. You know, we've got um, ozone therapy. We've got um, uh, various healing modalities, um, cranial osteopathy. There's so many. So it's enabling hubs to even speak to each other and have, you know, whatever local hubs that you have, you know, people could come from other hubs that are close by and come and talk into your hub and talk about what they do. So it's, it's, again, it's educating people the possibilities of what they could be doing for themselves.
3: Okay. So if people are listening
4: and some people listening will be holistic
3: practitioners or nurses or doctors, and they might think, okay, well, this sounds cool, but I already have my clinic set up. I don't need to go and join some other. So I just want to make it clear so that everyone's on the same page. Um, is people can already be set up in a practice, either working online, working at a physical place, and they can come under the banner, and I'm putting my arms across like an umbrella, yeah. under the banner of the PHA. They don't have to like suddenly move locations
4: or, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, and what we say is we never say that they're under an umbrella because we, we like to think of it as a level playing field. And okay. and PHA, they're not you know reinventing the wheel. And the wonderful thing about New Zealand is there are so many of these practices already up and running and and many integrated doctors i guess the theory behind this the way that they're rolling out with pha is we want um more of community input Or these centers providing what the community needs and it's kind of a, a pha hub would be like an open doors uh clinic um you don't need to change anything if you already have a clinic up and running you can just Uh, Be part of the PHA and be affiliated to the PHA Mm -hmm. um, so that our members can find those people within the community. Um, And it also is empowering for many people around New Zealand. It encourages people to set up hubs in their area or, you know, that they may not have anything at the moment rather than rely on, you know, the nearest city. It encourages people just to set things up in where they are. Um, You don't need to change anything about the way that you run your your business if you've already got an alternative practice set up. Um, but what we do ask is that some treatments could be made more affordable so that they're within the range of more people. Sure. How does that work? Well, with the hubs, um, with, with the community hubs that have been set up, you have what we we try, what we encourage is a social fund pot so that any funds raised by the community or any um, extra funds that are given for treatments will go into a pot. So if anybody needs some treatment and is really struggling financially for various reasons or need a lot of treatments to get them through a certain phase of ill health, then this the practitioners can dip into the social fund pot to pay for the treatment um, so that these people can still receive treatment, the practitioners can still receive a payment for their services. Um, and usually, they're found in England when they they're they started to roll this out that eighty five percent of people who received those treatments either came back with money when they had it and popped it back in the social the social fund pot or they sent paying customers to the hub because they were so impressed with the treatment and they really felt felt held. Mm. I love the fact that it was more of a heart-based um, way of running a health practice or an alternative hub, that they they came back. and And that's what, it's almost like the services that you offer as a community hear about them and support them, it sends a ripple effect through the community. The community feel held, whether they're, having regular treatments or not, because they know that something's there, you know, and it also provides peace of mind because many, many people are struggling with waiting lists at GP surgeries or waiting to see nurses for um, to have wounds changed um, post-surgery. So it there's many more things that the hub offers, you know, you don't have your waiting lists, you have options of treatments that you you can get um, without waiting and it hasn't it, it's a comfort knowing that it's there and it's not just alternative therapists you might have like like myself NLP uh, counsellors um, other things other providers um, and we have people like we one of the hubs that we've set up locally the in Oratea we've set this up Urgently, an amazing group of people have come together and provided free treatments for those people who have been really badly affected by the storms on the West Coast. Mm. Um, Some of them have still got homes that are red-stickered. They can't go home. Um, There's a lot of trauma there. So we provide free treatments for those people affected, and they come in, and some of them are just in tears because they can't believe that a group of people that they don't know have got together and thought, how do we support our community through this? Let's do a pop-up hub one day a week, five hours, and invite people in for a free session. Now, for other people in the area can come in for a session and then they pay a koha, mm. um, which again makes it enables this project to be extended for as long as possible because then we can pay for the the, the space that we're hiring. Um, and again, that's community supporting community. Those people that come in for a treatment and pay are supporting us to enable the space to run for longer, then supports people who are in desperate need. And many of them come in and, and say, just knowing that you're here has given me a mental strength to, to get through this. And that's that's huge. To feel like there's members in your community that have got your back, should you need it. I mean, we still encourage them to come in for some treatment. <laughs> but um, even the fact that we're there. So that's and I think fine. that is what it's about, I think,
3: is, well, there is a bit of a transformation happening in the health system at the moment. And particularly mm-hmm. over the past three years, a number of people, including myself, have lost a certain level of trust and confidence in the traditional medical system. Yeah. Okay, let's be fair. I've always been open to holistic stuff, but even more so now I am. But so I love that we can, or the PHA can be there to... I guess, catch people if they fall, you know, if they are really have had a hard time, like the people that you mentioned. So it can be Mm -hmm. reactive or responsive, but also proactive, because like you said earlier, maintaining your health, not just going to seek help when you are run down, burnt out, sick or
4: stressed. Exactly. And to teach people about those options and to You know, teach them about health and food that they eat or, um, you know, acupuncture might just help them to sleep better, which makes them a better human being all around, which has a ripple effect through families. Um, All of those things. That's why it's important to educate as we go as well, to have all these um, uh, practitioners held within a space. Uh, It's key. It's key. And you're right. We don't want people to wait. If they've got a niggle or their back's out or they're struggling with a sore back and have done for months and months, go see someone. You don't need to go to a GP. There are other options. You know, try an, an osteopath or acupuncture.
3: What I found is there's so much wisdom in the room, <laughs> meaning, you know, across New Zealand, there's so many people that are have years of experience. When we had a, a catch up in my, I'm, I'm in the Central East, um, Central East Auckland, Auckland PHA telegram group. And we had to catch up in person and specifically two amazing women that came along that just had, you know, 30 years experience in their Mm -hmm. area of expertise in holistic health. And and one or two of them were retired, but they were like, I just want to give back. I just want to help where I can. Um, And it's, it's like, that's the wisdom we want. And I know when you talked about also teaching skills, like life skills, bringing in some people that are, Mm -hmm. well, they're might be elderly and they might be older but they have some amazing wisdom and life skills that maybe we could pair them with some teenagers and suddenly the teenager
4: teenagers are getting this wisdom passed down that they might otherwise not have received exactly and that's something that we, we you know we talked about at length because we're both passionate about um and that's how i see these hubs and they are going to change it's not going to be pha it's going to be more like a, a people's alliance mm-hmm. with large community spaces and and that is key for for both of us is having spaces where our teenagers can come in and have a space that they can own and hang out in uh, and a space just to be themselves away from home that's safe for them and to bring in our elders as well. You know, this amazing wealth of knowledge in our community, you know, they bring them in and get them teaching our young people. You know, I've heard of um, um, a group where this community space was handed over to this community group and that there's a team of retired engineers and they are training young kids who maybe would usually struggle at school, struggle with the coursework because sitting down at a desk is not for them. And they they're giving them, they're teaching them life skills that will enable them to go on and get a job. Um, so things like that, this isn't, this doesn't just stop as a, this, you know, it doesn't just stay as a health hub or stop there. It is going to be an expanse of what the community needs it's going to expand and meet those needs and yeah and that's the bit that excites me because our teenagers Mm. are struggling and are really lost and also mental health is a big aspect we're really kind of pushing out mental health well you mentioned earlier
3: wait lists and that's one area where the wait lists are are really out of control so are you Mm -hmm. saying the people that are on the wait list for mental health in the meantime maybe they can go to the pha and get seen sooner
4: Oh my goodness me, for sure. The other thing is that we've discovered um, with, and again, this comes down to educating people, with the pop-up hub in oratea we've had a few people come in that have been really, really low. You know, one of them was suicidal, um, which is, you know, it's a it's a huge concern because, you know, you you we need to help these people. And where do you start? So for example, somebody had come in and had a cranial osteopath uh, session. what what that had done had really kind of leveled out this guy's emotions and their body it's almost like the cranial session brought the person back into their body um worked on the heart the structure and then it was afterwards she just said to me hey this this practitioner came to me said hey could you um Give this guy an NLP session because I think what we've done is we have calmed his system so much that we think he's so grounded that she would just try a session and see what happens and see if the treatments go hand in hand. So we did, and he he was he, he was kind of looking around because we'd done this NLP session, and it's like he's this weight that he'd been carrying, this um, all of these the busyness in his head, the thoughts that he'd been carrying around. Um, the weight of it had gone. And he was physically like kind of looking around as if he said, That's massive. There's been such a big change. He felt so different. And he came in the week after. So he's been in three weeks in a row and had the same thing either cranial osteopathy or a, a Reiki healing session, um, and then some NLP. And what we're finding is it's we're, we're enabling, we re, for me, I am reaching those pathways much quicker. And because he's in such a state of calm from these therapies, he's able to make the change. His mind is still enough to be able to access, you know, the subconscious and make those changes in the pathways. And he's just like, he comes in and he just says, I need to raise money for you guys because he feels so different and he feels so positive. Um, We wouldn't have found that out if we hadn't done a pop-up hub with Mm -hmm. all practitioners in one large room sharing space, we wouldn't have discovered that. So that's, helping us to gauge how we move forward with the mental health. You know, yes, we need therapies. um, And some people respond really well to psychologists. But my training for my NLP come from a guy who was a psychologist who had done some NLP training thinking he would use it for 15 to 20% of his clients, ended up using it for 97% of his clients and having way more success, so stopped doing the psychology, continued with the NLP, and now trains people in NLP so with these hubs we could be combining treatments for the body and the mind and seeing quite um we could have a big impact on the mental health issues that our teenagers are currently facing you know with these waiting lists we could be Mm. offering so much help
3: because people are more and more realizing the link between the body and the mind and how sometimes you think oh well I've got like me, a sore shoulder, but that actually does relate, you know, to some emotional things. So looking at the the holistic approach, which is what it's all about. So Rachel, like if someone, for example, if someone's like, oh, you know, is there a PHA in Dunedin? Because my cousin lives down there and do they have someone that does NLP? That's part of it, right? So not so much a directory, but because they're not under the umbrella, but they're associated with the PHA, people can kind of look for the PHA in their nearby Local area, or if they're traveling, they might go, Oh my gosh, I'm traveling, I'm in Queenstown, I need a Reiki practitioner. They can find one that's associated with the PHA, yes?
4: Exactly, yes. So the website, which is the-pha.nz, if you go to the website, it explains more about the PHA and how we are integrating um, allopathic and alternative. And, and it also, there's a lot of videos on there to explain how it started and um, a lot more information about on the PHA. But we have a hubs page. Now, if you go to that hubs page, there's a map, so you can see exactly where uh, the hubs are. We're just working on a practitioner's directory, so we've just rolled out the test phase, so we've sent it to one hub just to double-check that we've got all the forms right, um, and we'll start gathering information. So people can either jump on the main PHA Telegram page and ask the question there, hey, I'm in Queenstown, I need a, mm-hmm. uh, a Reiki practitioner and somebody can reply. But it also means that we'll have a team of uh, PHA helpers who can access that database and get contacts to people uh, more quickly rather than relying on people jumping on Telegram and passing on their information. So, yeah, that's another thing that we want to do is to to enable people wherever they are to access these treatments. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And whether they've got a hub up and running, because I must say that even though we have 23 hubs, if they're in various stages, um, so most of them are hubs online to start with while they're building their community and looking for spaces um, to, to work from. And then many of the practitioners that are in the PHA, many of them already have their own space. So they can work within their own space. And as a hub becomes established, they could do both, be in their own space and then come into the hub and work in the hub for part of that time. So it's all very flexible and organic. And also online? Yep, online. So many people work online. Yeah, right. So that's
3: great. So whether they're whether they can physically get to a place, which is I think ideal, but otherwise, there's there's the online stuff. Um, Rich, can you give us some examples like one or two of actual locations that are up and running and, and maybe two that are different, like one might be located in an old house and someone's helping pay the rent and that makes it affordable. And the other one's located, I don't know, in a center. Like, can you just give one or two examples of ones that are up and running?
4: Yep. So there's, um, there's well, so ROT here is a pop-up hub. They're open one one day a week. Um, there is, we had a pop-up hub in Bay and they're searching for another space to have that up and running. Again, that was to help people affected... Um, in Hawkes Bay we have in the Bay of Plenty um in fact I need to check in with Bay of Plenty again so they had um uh, a house donated to the well it was the ground floor of a house so they had four practitioner rooms donated to them to use uh, which was wonderful um and the guy lived upstairs and they just had so for six months they had almost uh n- no rent, and then they just pay a law rent because this guy's so passionate about having a hub within the community. So that's um, they have plenty. Um, and then they're in Wellington, there was an existing practice, so he that's in Lower Hut, and one day a week he opens up as PHA within his practice. And then we've got other um, we've got other wellness hubs who are joining forces and aligning with us, so there will be. Um, you know, they will align align with PHA and they may not change their name or some of them do change their name to, you know, there's um, a wellness hub just north of uh, Kerry Kerry. And she, her name's Michelle. She set up that hub in January and started and was aware of the PHA and was wondering, oh, what should I do? When should I jump in? Well, now she's jumped in. So she's already got the space. Um, and she's going to be a PHA hub, but she's already got that that up and running, and she's had something built on her uh, on her property, which is perfect. So she doesn't have to worry about whether she's going to be moved on. Um, so that's a really good solid base. That's yeah. exciting. It's exciting. It's different. Yeah. Awesome. They, I
3: guess like, yeah, that's right. Different shapes and sizes, depending on what's happening in the community, and it's all led by the people, which is cool. Um, and I always talk about how I help the people who help the people. And I know you've got so many people in that Telegram group who are holistic practitioners, and and every day there's you know more than ten or so people introducing themselves. So can you let us know? We'll get to the bit where we we say how do people connect. But if someone is listening and they want to jump on the Telegram group, what do they search up for New Zealand?
1: Uh, if, you the,
4: if you go to the hubs, the website, which is the dash PHA dot NZ and mm-hmm. you go to the hubs page,
1: Perfect.
4: the top two links and you can see them because it's separate to, to the rest of the hubs. If you click on those links, the top two, it takes you through to the New Zealand Telegram page and it also takes you through to the notices page. Now, it's really good to join both because we like people to introduce themselves on the on the main uh, New Zealand Telegram page because we get to know where people are and what they do. It also helps people to find them. So say if somebody is thinking of setting up a hub, uh, a port key so we had an inquiry about a port key then they could go onto that um, website and search for people in that area and find people who are close by. So then they can kind of join forces and they're finding their tribe and that's their basis of a, of a hub. So we like people to introduce themselves the notices channel is brilliant when you think, right, where's that Zoom link that I need, that there's no chat and you can find the Zoom link um, really quickly. So that's okay. why it's good to join both. And then you could scroll down and see what local hubs um, are, are close by to you as well sounds good so whether people
3: are out there listening and they are a provider and they want to get they want to find out more and maybe become part of it or they are a potential customer or maybe they have mm-hmm. like land or property like they love the idea of it they yes. might not have money but they can they might have a, a venue that they can they can um donate for either a pop-up or a permanent so you yes. can get in
4: touch yeah. on the website okay amazing definitely and the other thing is that i i think you asked the question earlier on we got sidetracked um So PHA, it started in England, but it's spread to, it's now in um, 32 countries and the USA have just come on board, which means that they're really kind of rolling with it and encouraging communities to set up hubs. So that's exciting that it's so big. And another thing that um, is really important is there are so many um, Zooms that people can drop on each week, either in England or... Like here in New Zealand, we've teamed up with Australia and we do Wellness Wednesdays or Shine a Light, which is every other Wednesday evening. And you can hop on and speak to, um, uh, you know, you'll have a host. Like we've had um, a doctor, Dr. Tracy Chandler. She did an amazing Zoom where she talked about how she treats people. We also had somebody who does tap in. We had uh, Nolene who does brain profile and there's all these amazing people. So it's a great way. Of finding out who else is in New Zealand and Australia, who's doing what, and for you know practitioners and the community to learn from those people and figure out whether that kind of treatment or modality um, would benefit them or somebody they know. So that's another good reason to join the Telegram uh, groups because you hear all about these. I like that. So people might think, oh, I've heard of that, but before I
3: book in, I want to learn a little bit more about it. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay, Rach, I'm getting to the bit where I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask all of my guests, but I will, of course, at the end, ask you if there's anything else. So if you've got something else burning in your mind that you want to share with us about the PHA, um, you can definitely mention that. So up your brave. Can you give us one example in the past year where you've uh, truly upped your brave? Maybe it's something that you've achieved or done or navigated through.
4: Um, (laughs) So that's interesting because the biggest the biggest thing for me is, is speaking is actually doing is speaking like this and doing interviews for the PHA. Um, you know, when I first come across it and Alexia, uh, had just set up the Telegram channel and we joined forces to be coordinators. I thought, oh, brilliant. She's smart. She's articulate. She can be the talker and I'll just stay in the background and make the magic happen. But no, she's got a fear of speaking. So it had to be me. So this is definitely me up in my brave. <laughs> And you've done that, I know, on multiple interviews, but also you came to that event that
3: we held. And I know you've been to multiple where you come along and you talk about the PHA in person with everyone staring at you, which is a whole different experience.
4: It is. I think I wobble and shake for about the first 15 minutes and then it's great and I forget what I'm doing and I'm just talking. Yeah. Well, today you've just got
3: thousands and thousands of people across New
4: Zealand listening to you. <laughs> well,
3: congratulations on upping your brave. That is, it's it's obviously it's having an impact. So thank you for doing that um the bucket list what is one thing on your bucket list that you want to do be or
4: experience in your lifetime oh okay that's interesting as well um well oh there's a couple so PHA, i'd love to see way more hubs maybe in a year wouldn't it be wonderful if you had 100 hubs that would be awesome now that's a really good aim there have. you go i'll write it down ah brilliant but if it was for me my gosh i um, thinking about me for once um Oh, I'd love to go to Japan. That's on my bucket list. I've never been. I'd love to go to Japan. So if anyone, I don't know where to go. I don't know whether it's a, you know, stay in one place or travel around. If anyone's got any tips, that would be awesome. You know? Um, Yeah. that's.
3: I love that. I think it's so important to have a vision for our cause, our mission, which for you at the moment is PHA, but also to have a few things for yourself that you want to um, do be or experience. So thank you for mentioning Japan. And by the way, listeners, if you have some Intel on Japan, you can get in touch with Rach. So Rachel, what is coming up for you? I know in my intro, I mentioned that you do multiple things. You are a photographer, you do the NLP and you're running PHA with Alexia. Um, how can people connect with you? Let's say if they want to learn more either about the NLP or the photography,
4: where can they go? Oh my gosh. Yep. Um, so website photography, um, My website is rachelshields.co.nz. Can you spell Uh, because it's Rachel with no A, yes? uh, Yeah, so it's Rachel with just an E. And Shields is I-E, not E-I, which a lot of people Mm. make that mistake. It's quite funny, really. Um, And then the NLP is the same website, rachelshields.co.nz forward slash NLP. And that just takes you to the NLP page. And then the photography, there's... Yeah, you can see photographs, you can see the artwork, the large prints. So, well, so- I can see your work behind you on the video, but they <laughs> won't be, they can, they'll have to go to the
3: website, rachelshields.co.nz. It's R-A-C-H-E-L, shields.co.nz, to look at the photography or the NLP. Um, so yeah, Rach, what is coming up for you? Like, what does is, what is the next three months, six months bring?
4: Um, oh, balance is my key mantra word at the moment, um, because I still need to work and the PHA is getting so busy, which is really exciting. Um, so I guess it's expand the team that's helping to, you know, do all we do with setting up these hubs throughout New Zealand. We've got some good, uh, community talks coming up. Um, I'm going to be giving a talk in, be on sunday um heading up to maracana to meet a wellness clinic up there and also a retreat so again looking at how do we roll out these this mental health could we roll out mental health workshops could we hold retreats so it's that there's so much happening that um yeah yeah so just trying to figure out how we move forward with everything and get the right people on board that so that would be the pha Sure. and to be and to get ahead of the needs because i feel like that's what you guys yes. are really
3: good at doing you're seeing what the trends that are coming getting ahead of the needs so you're ready when when people come knocking on the door
4: yes yes definitely and and, and it's it's key to have when we bring people on board who really understand the pha it's just amazing we can achieve so much and and the work happens uh, so much more quickly and we've also got quite a few workshops coming up we've teamed up with some people Um, we've got Nikita who is based in England and she's an amazing midwife who's supporting midwives to, you know, bring back a more holistic approach to midwifery. Um, so she's going to give a talk and we're actually joining forces with, um, a midwives group, group over in New Zealand. So we're, we're joint hosting this Zoom discussion. So again, educating and, um, giving options for moving forward and then supporting people moving forward and there's also another woman who's put together um uh a, a package that we think midwives and nurses could do this training and it adds another string to their bow, which means that they can step into a hub with um some more options uh, of work for the community so that's another thing so yeah lots of things <laughs> just keeping afloat, natalie and getting the balance is <laughs>
3: Yeah, and I, I, I mean, that's the thing balance, because I know so many people in the current system, you know, doctors and nurses so overworked, yeah. so ridiculous yeah. hours, like sometimes yeah. possibly not, not, you know, not safe, meaning that the, the length of the shifts, the number of the ratio yeah. to patients and all the things. So I feel like um, this is a good option for people who can't, you know, they can't operate in that system anymore, but they and they want to be you're, you're about education and support. Um, they want yeah. to come together and look at a few other modalities as well.
4: And we have had lots of doctors and nurses come to us um, and say, we, this is what we need because this, they've, and they've talked to us about system breaking um, and crumbling and just the stress. It's just not, you know, people are distraught because, you know, even in England, the NHS system, I've, I've grown up with that and all my family are in it and it's an amazing, amazing system, but it's just being run into the ground. There's, there's just too many cracks. Whereas this is like an, we can, this can run parallel to that. And we have doctors and nurses eager to see where this goes. Like, will this lead to cottage hospitals? You know, we can take back what, we can start to make decisions for ourselves and think, actually, yeah, cottage hospitals is a good idea. Okay, how do we make that happen? Rather than relying on these massive hospitals where, they don't seem to be running efficiently. Yes, we need surgeries and we need operating and theatres, um, but, you know, to bring things back to the community, that just helps them to do their job. They could be working more at convenient hours um, and not slogged. <laughs> mm. Nobody wants to be slogged, do they? No.
3: Well, it'll be really fascinating to touch base with you as things grow over the next three months. Um I've been wanting to be involved in a hub. I know I'm busy with lots of things, but um, if anyone else is listening and you want to get involved, obviously you can get in touch on the website. Um, Hey, Rach, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention to our listeners?
4: I think we've covered everything. I think, yeah. Great. I can't think... (laughs) (laughs) so at the moment is it 23 currently around New Zealand is that right 23 New Zealand there's already ripples of a few more that would be up and running in the next couple of weeks um more affiliates coming on board it's just really exciting and like I say we're not reinventing the wheel we're just Mm. it's just what's needed and people are um aware of that and when they hear about it they go yeah actually yeah this is me um it's great yeah it's growing. it's growing and it needs to and it's wonderful. That's amazing. All
3: right, we're gonna wrap it up, but I would I'm gonna play
4: a song in, in a few minutes um mm-hmm. that you've chosen. So tell us what your song is and why. Oh so this is interesting. when you said choose a song, there are so many options and I've enjoyed this last week just going through uh various music and having friends uh, wonderful friends recommend music. So this one today is a new one for me, but it just summed it up. Uh, that whole um, the PHA and the the possibilities um, and the excitement of it, and it's called the song's called You're It by Wookiefoot, which I've never heard of before. And my my lovely mate Bex uh, recommended this, and I listened to it. and I was like, yes, this is it, because it talks about how we can go within, and we can move on, and we can break free. We don't need to be in fear. We can we can do it the way that we want. Uh, we can create what we know is needed. And that's the message that I took from this. And it's a really upbeat song. And when I heard it, I was literally dancing around the kitchen going, yeah, this is it. This is the energy. This is the energy that I want to, um, yeah, push out. All right.
3: So for those listening soon, you too can be dancing around your kitchen, listening to that song. And yeah, it is all about possibilities and excitement. Um, Thank you, Rach, to you, but also to Alexia and also to the I'm going to say thousands, it's probably more than hundreds of thousands of people that are involved in the PHA, um, well around the world, but in New Zealand specifically shout out to everybody who's doing amazing work in that area. Um, Rachel, thank you for chatting with us today.
4: Oh, thank you, Natalie. You're awesome. Thanks, honey. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening.
0: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio.
3: Big, big thank you to Rachel Shields for joining us today and sharing some insight into the power of holistic and integrated health, and specifically looking at the PHA, which is the People's Health Alliance. As we mentioned, you guys can learn more if you, wherever you are around the country here in New Zealand, or of course, if you're listening from overseas. The PHA is now in 32 countries and growing around the world. So it's definitely, um, holistic health is something that has, it's not new, right? It's something that has kind of, in my view, been quashed and squashed for many, many years um, as other options kind of took that, that priority place. But now I think people are taking ownership of their own health and wellness on a whole new level, and they are looking for more holistic options, but also integrated options. So integrating the allopathic, the traditional, you know, the doctors and nurses, Um, medicine with the holistic options that are available today. And it's just, we're trying to make it easy for people to find those. So check it out. You can go to the hyphen P H a dot N Z to learn more. They have telegram channels. You can also go and find someone in your local area. Um, And I love what Rachel's doing because I know there's so many people like Rachel around the country that are doing, doing things, you know, for the love of it. Um, a cause, something you believe in, and you're pouring your heart and energy and soul into that. So, whoever you are, whatever you're focusing your energy on, huge thank you to you. It does raise the vibration. It does um, keep people uh, focused and and happy and empowered, which is what we're all about. So, in that interview, mm-hmm. Rachel talked about how she listened to the niggles and kind of a little bit about the silver lining for her with the past three years is uniting with the pha and really feeling that as a cause for herself to pour her love into um and really the focus on maintaining this is her takeaway message the focus on maintaining your health instead of letting it get run down and then trying to bring it back and i think that's something that we've learned and we're all aiming to do
0: you're listening to up your brave on rcr reality check radio
3: Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. This is Natalie Kettler-Welsh, and this week we're talking about holistic health. If you've just jumped on, we just finished our third interview, so you can definitely check out the replays later. Uh, We had Dina Siniza talking about breathing for optimal health. We had Shelly Goweth talking about detox and the truth. We also had Rachel from the People's Health Alliance talking about the power of holistic and integrated health. In a moment, we're going to go to a little flashback from one of our previous episodes, which I sometimes like to do. This is Gemma Celeste, who is actually a singer. She's also a personal stylist. And in this episode, she's talking about expressing your true self and confidence. By the way, if you want to go and look at the replays, there's two ways to do it. So one way is to go realitycheck.radio replays. That will take you to all the shows. And in um, in order, the most recent shows that we've had and interviews, you can either listen to the full show or the individual interviews. Our team is absolutely amazing, so shout out to the RCR team because they are so quick at the turnaround. So you can go realitycheck.radio/replays and you can literally pick and choose from the images what you want to listen to. The other way to do it is to go realitycheck.radio/shows. Now that will take you to all the shows. And we have about six or seven different shows with different hosts. I think I'm at the bottom of the list. So scroll all the way down to the Up Your Brave show. Click on that. It'll give you a little bit of info on me. But at the bottom, it'll show you the images of all my shows in order, individual interviews. So if you're trying to look for one specific interview that you can't remember what the person's name was, you can literally just go straight to my shows. So realitycheck.radio slash shows, Brave boom, you're there. Uh, but while I'm mentioning it, so many incredible hosts on Reality Check Radio, so many incredible interviews. Don't get overwhelmed. I think the main thing is to think about what is a priority to you? What topics really resonate? What would you love to learn more about? And then you can hand pick the ones you want. Or of course, you can turn on the live stream, which is what I do. And I just randomly listen here and there throughout my day Um, and that's the way I do it as well. So here we go without, without more being said, let's listen to Gemma Celeste and a little flashback and hear the advice that she's got for us. Gemma, I know there's a lot of people out there. Well, many, many people who are really going through. Um, an evolution of sorts in terms of like, mm. who am I, you know, questioning who they are, questioning how they want to show up in the world. And I don't just mean fashion, I mean, mm. energetically um, mm. and really wanting to express themselves. You know, some people are speaking their truth more than ever before or being more um, maybe more outgoing than ever before, or maybe being more hermit or reclusive than ever before, because they mm. they're tapping into who they want to be and who they feel like being, not just what everyone expects. So with that being said, can you share with us a little bit around, you know, what is what is the art of expression and how do we effectively and authentically express ourselves?
1: Sure. Um, well, the art of expression is also the art of letting go of judgment of yourself and of others. It's um, to express yourself is to truly love yourself. And because we are all beautifully unique and we should all celebrate that. So loving yourself for who you are as you are right now. And as you said, sometimes people don't know who they are. Um, and, oh, sorry. <laughs> Just reading notes and I didn't know where they went. Um, so also to be, um, the art of expression is Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So basically stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping into your fear and embracing it. So finding comfort and being uncomfortable. So how I would describe that, for example, dancing and singing is a really wonderful way to express yourself. But unfortunately, a lot of people say to me, oh, I don't know how to dance or I don't know how to sing. Now, music is the frequency of love and music does not judge you. The only people that are judging you nine times out of 10 are yourself. And the great thing about music is it's a th- it's a feeling practice. It's not a think- thinking practice. So I say to people, if you really just want to let go and express yourself, um, put on a really amazing high vibe frequency song or a song that just kind of gets you out of your head and into your body and just let go and just feel it and just sing and dance like no one is watching because there is no right or wrong way to sing or dance. It's all a perception. So, for example, when I go to a festival, what I love the most is, is seeing a band on stage, for example, or a DJ, and then i looking around the sea of people and everyone is receiving that mu- music in a completely different way. Some Someone's down low feeling the bass. Someone's got their arms waving up high feeling, you know, feeling the trebles, whatever it might be. But there's no right or wrong way to to feel that emotion or feel that frequency.
3: I so just that's want to so- jump in there because some people would think, oh my gosh, I would even at a, you know, at a fest, yes, okay, dancing by myself in my room, but at mm. a festival, they would just be self-conscious. I imagine some people mm. that mm. other people 100%. would judge or watch them, I guess you're saying just immerse yourself in the moment and not worry about it.
1: 100% um, especially at a festival because that's the beauty of festivals is why people go because there it, there normally isn't any judgment that most of the judgment is on yourself um, and those of you that are judging you if they are that's their problem that's their perception normally it's a jealousy thing I find um, look when you stand in your in your vulnerability and you sh- always show up as your authentic self you're being brave and vulnerable in your expression. And it's not always easy to do that. Um, but when you're being authentically yourself, you actually inspire others. And just like you said with me putting out that post of me dyeing my hair, it inspired you to do the same. I was brave. I was vulnerable. I took a leap. I dyed my hair. I put it out for everyone to see. And look what happened. It inspired you to do the same. So it's sort of reframing how you see yourself and how you show up in the world, because you may be an, an inspiration for many, many other people around you, but you wouldn't even realize that you're doing that, if that makes sense. It,
3: it's funny because I remember I saw you on the weekend and I think your partner asked me, like, how, you know, how's life going with red hair? And I said, I feel like it really feels like me. Like people are blown away when they mm-hmm. they realize I'm not a natural redhead. Um yes. And I say, Oh yeah, I'm actually blonde, but, um, no, I feel like the real me and I feel like mm-hmm. I can be, and I've had to be, or I've chosen to be more vocal <laughs> yeah. and more fiery over the last three years. So it's, it's in full alignment that I'm, you know, I just, I really feel like the true version of myself. I feel very mm-hmm. confident with the, the red hair. I love it. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, flashback from the interview with Gemma Celeste. You can check out the rest of the replays, like I mentioned, but by the way, I just posted um, because when I jump on with people, I'm on zoom. I'm actually looking at them. We're on video, but of course you guys only get to hear the audio. So I just posted a little bit of a behind the scenes photo gallery on my Facebook page. So if you want to check that out, it's just really, um, screenshots of me interviewing a bunch of my guests over the past couple of months. You can check that out. It's up your brave with Natalie Cutler Welsh on Facebook. Um, And by the way, I've also just set up a page on my website, upyourbrave.com slash recommended, where you can find myself and of course, a bunch of other amazing people to help you up your brave. That brings me to the end of our show today, where we were talking about holistic health. We talked about breathing, we talked about gut health, we talked about detoxing and all sorts of things. Um, And I guess the main takeaway message is to be empowered with your own health and wellness. I think that's something we've all learned many times, probably in our own lives, uh, but definitely over the last few years. And of course, there's a massive link between emotional well-being and the way it presents physically in our body. So if we can gain some insight into who we are um, and also how we're being affected in our body and mind, then we can have better health and wellness. So I send you off today. Have an incredible day, whether you're listening to this live or later. Um, We would love to hear from you, as always, your feedback, your suggestions, your requests, even song requests. You can send those in 2057 on the text, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. And definitely let me know where you're messaging from. I want to do a shout out to you, whatever city you're in, we're thinking of you as you go through your day, you navigate these interesting times. Remember, it's all about connection, community, and courage. Have an amazing week and remember to up your brave.
0: You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie cutler Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.